does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Little Mo Alley Cox out of the gate here in a second. Jimmy, I'm fired up about this. Me too. Colts camp is alive and well. We've talked about how crowded, how many bodies are in that tight end room, and the veteran of the role, Mo Alley Cox. Great way to start a Tuesday. I'm looking forward to it. We will also weave in a Taylor Swift tweet that I don't understand, but is <laughs> incredibly popular. We will get to your. Oh, this is such a gross exercise, Jimmy. Gross. Seven new playoff teams this year and seven playoff teams from last season that will not make it. That's on the way as well. But as promised, we're joined by Mo Alley Cox, Colts tight end here on the fan. Mo, good, uh, good afternoon, man. You know, I'm thinking about this. Training camp. You got music blasting. If they came to you and said, Mo, we need a song. Give me one song choice for training camp today. What are you going with? I'm going to go with... Um Future seven twelve PM. Now, now is this like high energy? You got to have some energy at training camp. Oh, well definitely high energy. I guarantee you, majority of the team will know it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, how are you feeling? Are you heading into your sixth season? How are things going as you're ramping up toward the beginning of the year? Uh, seventh season. Um, it's going good. Um, very excited. You know, it's new energy throughout the building. Um, you know, new coach, new staff, new offensive staff. Um, new quarterback, a um, couple new pieces here and there. So, I mean, the energy's through the roof. And, you know, we just put on pads on this week. So that brought a different level of excitement the last two days. And we're just trying to keep the momentum going. Mo, to kind of build off Brian's first question, who on the team is not getting the aux cord for training camp? Oh, any of the offensive linemen. <laughs> 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 we're going to hear country and rock the whole time. Maybe some have a heavy metal. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm a big heavy metal guy, Mo. You go thumbs down on metal at training camp? Uh man, I could maybe do one or two songs, but <laughs> you know, sometimes we get in the weight room and they just have it going the whole time. It's like, oh, I can't do it. Man, <laughs> I hear you. Unfortunately, I hear you on that one. How about being an undrafted free agent, like you said, going back to 2017? Do you give the undrafted guys a little bit more love in camp or certainly if they make the team? I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, the undrafted guys, you face a little steeper battle and making a team and making impressions and stuff like that. You know, your reps are kind of limited. So, you know, when those guys make plays or do something, you just get even more excited for them and, you know, try to pick their energy up because, you know, you don't get as many reps as, those, as the other guys. So whenever you get your opportunity out there, you just try to tell them to make the best of it. And when they make exciting plays or things happen, you just want to um, – like, show them some love, and you just try to give them free game because as a guy, I've been through that situation and been in their shoes, so I just know how it feels. Colts tight end Mo Cox with us here on the Fan Midday Show. Mo, Chris Bauer has said in the past that competition is a good thing, particularly for position groups. When you look at how crowded that tight end room is while also looking at where you want to be as a player entering your seventh season, how do you balance that competition while also the camaraderie that comes with a position room? Um, you just, I mean, at the end of the day, you just got to come in here and work and embrace the competition. I mean, we all know we're talented and we all know our strengths and our weaknesses. 
So we just try to build each other up along the way and just have fun. I mean, you don't want to come in and be miserable and you're competing with these guys because then your day is just not going to go well. So, I mean, when one of us makes a play, the whole group group gets excited. You know, a bunch of us, we position group and camp, you spend the, that's who you spend the majority of your time with is each other. So just try to um, build that camaraderie, eat together at lunch, dinner, and different things like that, and on the field, just build each other up. Because, you know, we're in 12, 13 personnel sets, so a bunch of us are on the field at the same time also. And then go into the meeting room and um, correct each other on different things and what we see out there and just try to just try to help all of us be the best that we can be. Uh, your new head coach, Shane Steichen, you know, if you're describing his approach to coaching, what would you say? And also demeanor-wise, is he a yeller? Is he a tactician? What's he like? Uh, so he's a tactician. He's, he can yell, but he doesn't – he'll, like, do – it's not yelling. He's just talking loud, like, getting his point across. It's not, like, in an angry way. I think this is his energy. He's, like, he's very energetic, and, like, you can feel it when he talks in the meetings. He's, like, fierce, I would say. Mm. So, I mean, but, I mean, you when he talks, you listen. You can feel, like, he's getting his point across, and you understand what he's saying, and, like, it just it just resonates with you when he speaks. Mo, this will be the eighth different starting quarterback that the Colts have had in a season opener. As a as a player, that's pretty much the entirety of your career, having to yep. have a different person under center while you're trying to make an impact and grow in the league. How has that difference of quarterbacks over the years impacted your growth, and how much are you looking forward to hopefully some continuity at that position moving forward? I mean, it's been kind of tough, but at the end of the day, we're all pros, so we get paid to go out there and play the game. I mean, it's just tough in the aspect because every quarterback wants it a different way. They like their, they like what they like, so as receivers, it's our job to adjust. So hopefully now with new coach, drafting a quarterback, we have Gardner here, whoever the starter is going to be, um, just get that continuity going and build the chemistry right now in camp and then translate it over to the season. I mean, that's a that's a that's the best you could ask for. <laughs> He's Colts tight end Mo Ali Cox with us here on the fan. What has impressed you the most about Anthony Richardson so far? Oh man, his his arm strength, dude, uh, and he can fit it in some tight windows also. Um, but look at the wrist; that ball is out there, looks effortless. And then also, um, his poise never never seen him get too high, never seen him get too low. Just very even keel and mentally tough. Mo, I, I know that you as a player directly, this doesn't impact you, but considering it, it's one of your brothers on the field, with everything that's going on with Jonathan Taylor right now, I, I know he's out there at camp. Have you talked to him at all through this process? Um, Yeah, for sure. We spoke. I mean, we don't really speak about what's going on. We just talk about football and life and different things like that. Um, the rest of the stuff, I mean, as, a player, as his brother, you just want to take his mind off and talk about things other than that because – you know, he's dealing with that 24-7, whether it's social media or he gets on his phone, people texting him and different things like that. So you just want to talk about just life things and just be, being there for him. You know, it's going to sound like a loaded question. I swear it's not. I'm just curious. Have things, have they gotten awkward at all in practice or is it just business as usual with this JT situation here? Um, it's business as usual. I mean, you always see reports and stuff, people saying awkward, he's mad. Nah, that's not the JT that we see. I mean, we see regular JT, and we're just happy to go to work and have fun. Mo, how much does it speak to you as a player and him as a teammate that, that he's still out there with you guys through all this? Oh, definitely speaks a lot. I mean, you know, as a player, most people you see, they go through this situation. They don't even show up. I mean, 
who was it, Josh Jacobs with the Raiders. I read somewhere he didn't even show up for camp and things like that. So, I mean, he's still here. He's still with us. I mean, I sit by him in meetings. He's in meetings paying attention at different things like that. So, I mean, he's here. I mean, and when he gets healthy, hopefully he's out there. You know, I'm curious, going back to Anthony Richardson, how much can you tell about him right now in training camp as a rookie that will, you know, you will see when the regular season games roll around? It will translate. How much can you tell right now as far as his goods and what he has? Um, you, you could see it. I mean, you know, like say he makes a mistake on one thing. And then we go out there the next day in practice, you see like he sees it a little quicker, makes the read a little quicker, doesn't force it in the tight window. You know, it's okay to take a check down five yards. You see he's progressing in that aspect of the game. And you can see he's getting more and more comfortable every single day. And what he only had, what, 12, 13 starts in college. So, you know, all of this is still still moving fast. I, I would think for me it would be. So just the progression every day that he's making, getting more and more comfortable. You know, our defense, we have a very good defense. So going against them every day is always is just going to make him even better. Mo, where's the biggest difference for you from a career outlook or, or your expectations for yourself this season compared to years past as you enter year seven? Um, can you repeat that? Where's the biggest difference from like an expectation standpoint of what you've learned um, throughout all, all these different changes through your career here in Indianapolis? Biggest thing is just for me is just going out there and control what you can control. I mean, being in the league for so long, you see a lot of things especially being in Indy the last couple of years, you've seen a lot of things happen that are out of your control. So you try not to let it affect you and how you play. Just focus on you and, like, the team. Just focus on yourself, the team, and what you could do to help the team. And then I think everything else would just fall into place. Who are you closest with on the team, Mo? Who's your guy? Um, I would say probably Zaire. If not yeah. Zaire, probably you talk to Colin a lot also. Colin How about the year Zaire had last season? What most tackles oh. in a single season in Colts franchise history? That's crazy. I mean, yeah, I mean, being his teammate, I mean, he came in what a year after me. So just seeing how he's progressed throughout the years, and going from mainly a special teamer, and finally getting that opportunity to play on defense. I mean, all of us are just super excited for him, embracing that opportunity, and then, I mean, he made the best of it. Mo was, and then he's still our special teams captain. So I mean, we follow him on that expert of the field too. Yeah. Mo, with how the emphasis has changed in the countdown to the regular season with more of a heavy focus on joint practices versus preseason games and trying to mesh well in both those, what what are the experiences like in joint practices knowing that they really are full-skill dress rehearsals in today's NFL? Um, joint practice is always exciting. I mean, it's useful gives you a chance to hit somebody other than your teammate and it's not in a game aspect so you know and those joint practices we could show a lot of our a lot of our stuff and it would not worry about it getting out there whereas preseason games you don't want to show a bunch of the gadget plays and different things different formations and how guys are going to be used you know preseason games you run the simple stuff but in joint practices you could really get a feel of how you're going to use your offense and different things like that you know, Mo, I have to ask you, like you said, in training camp, you get sick and tired of seeing the same faces, right? Who has gotten under your skin the most in your seven years where maybe you got into a fight or you just, I'm sick of this freaking guy, I can't stand him anymore. Anything come to mind? Oh, uh, man, a guy in the past was Kari because Kari was such a good defender, like seeing him every day. I think a guy now probably – Zaire, just because he does so much chirping on the field. It's like, all right, bro, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely exciting to compete with him. But 
it's always exciting to go against somebody else where you don't got to hear his mouth every day. <laughs> Man. Mo, I hear you on that. You got something, Jim? Yeah, last thing. Yeah. Mo, when you look at how Shane Steichen has utilized and often emphasized tight ends in the past, what was the biggest thing about that that maybe excites you or makes you look forward to this type of offense he's going to run here in Indy? Um, just the way he moves them all across the field, different formations and bunches, being a guy getting getting certain passes, screen game. And then just going downfield and different things like that. Like tight end is used like a Swiss Army knife in the offense. So definitely excited to see how we're utilized. Okay, before you go, Mo, this is why I need to know. Who is the biggest heavy metal guy on the squad? <laughs> Where you might think, oh, no, Quentin Nelson, here we go. Slayer and Pantera, goodness. And I might think, yeah, here we go. Who is that guy? Biggest heavy metal dude on the, on the Colts yeah, roster. I might go Ryan Kelly or Luke Rhodes. <laughs> you just so, booked Brian's next two interviews, by yeah, the way. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You know we're we're going to target these Colts for the next time, Mo. That's exactly what we're going to do, man. But you crushed it today. Really good to catch up with you. Have a good day, Mo. We'll catch you down the road. Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate y'all. Thanks, Mo. Yep. Appreciate you, too. There he is, Mo Alley-Cox, Colts tight end. You know what's funny, Jimmy, is we spend a lot of time talking about, hey, this team, it's their fourth head coach in five years, or it's their fourth OC in five years. We say that a lot. I don't think we say it as much where it's the Colts' eighth quarterback that's starting in week one. It's the eighth different one in eight years. Like, you talk about a lack of continuity and chemistry and all that type of stuff. That's right there. And for Mo going into his seventh year, I'm sure he's thinking, hey, if I'm going to be here for the next seven, I hope it's Anthony Richardson as the week one starter and we get some consistency over here. Eddie doesn't have time to cut it up. Maybe he will later in the show. But you can hear him chuckle when I ask that question. <laughs> like, like he, he knows. Like, that entire, anybody that is a pass catcher, within the Colts organization knows and understands how difficult and how just unforced adversity that has been on them having that many different quarterbacks under center and having that's not even going into the replacement quarterbacks that have come in off the you know depth chart due to injury and all the different changes that have been made there it's been tough to gain any consistency. It would be like trying to work your day-to-day job and, and, and you're having a different boss every day. Like it's, it's, it's very hard to establish yourself in the NFL, let alone for Moali Cox's entire career. It's mm-hmm. been a different quarterback under center week one. Well, and that's the thing is think about who you're chasing. I know it's a process and the Colts are you know, beginning that process, really trying to, to build a solid foundation and lead to consistent winning, right? But if you look at who you're chasing and who doesn't have that problem, think about the Chiefs. Like, How crazy does it sound if the Chiefs having a different starting quarterback for each of the last eight Man. week one games? You know what I mean? Like That just sounds outlandish because it is. Or Cincy, Buffalo. Like, Think about these teams with top quarterbacks. The Packers for three decades, the better <laughs> part of it, right? Like that that's just crazy to think about them having a different week one starter. That's what the Colts have had. It's hard to have consistent success when that's the case. Yeah, I mean you often see it if you go and look in recent NFL history of when those eras end, Packers Packers obviously the exception to the rule, but usually it is where's the next guy? How do we find him? It takes a couple swings and misses before you find your next quarterback. And the Colts and the Colts fan base have experienced that firsthand. 
over the better part of the last, well, eight seasons on the starting aspect of it, but post-Luck since 2019, trying to find that answer, that long-term continuity. And even from a funny standpoint, like if Minshew gets the start, but Richardson pans out, that's going to continue into next year. That'll be an active stat for week one, because you would assume that in 2024, if Richardson doesn't get it this time around, he would be the starter going into week one of the 2024 season. So it is yeah. a weird, quirky stat. Yep. That's what you hope you're saying is that it's just a weird, quirky stat by the time next season rolls around. By the way, are you taking uh, it capped at nine or are you going with 10? So here's what I mean by that. So it's been eight straight seasons. The Colts have had a different week one starter. So if it's a rich slash Clay Richardson in week one, you're hoping it ends at nine. Right? Yes. Um, it could be Minshew in week one this season. It could be Anthony Richardson in week one next season. It could, I really hate to put this out in the atmosphere, uh. it could go beyond that, right? If things don't pan out with Anthony Richardson, it's just a possibility. So, so where are you putting the number at there? I, I will say for, for my side of it, if it's nine and a half, I'm going to take the under. I think it ends this year. I think Richardson gets the nod week one, and he would be the ninth, and that's the end of it. Man, I that is so fascinating to me. Is oh, Anthony I'm sorry, Richardson, Eddie corrected me. I apologize. It'll be the eight. So, be so, eight. so you'd have to set it to eight and a half then. My but my apologies. So I'm confused. This will be the eighth. Yes. Okay. Yes. So we're going into the. This is the eighth. Correct. Got it. Got yep. it. Got it. So you'd put it at eight and a half. Yep. You're going with Anthony Richardson to be the week one starter this year yep. and obviously next year. See, that's the part where I don't know if he's starting week one this year. I still think it's not going to be him, but you, I'm not bullish on that. Do you have a date set? Because we had this conversation, obviously, before. Do you have a date or a modification of when it would be then? I know we talked about like right where the bye week is or maybe just yeah. before the trip to Germany or just after. Did, did you have a, a date then of where you think would make more sense if it's not week one? Yeah, I looked at it was the game against the Browns. So I'm looking at week seven. <laughs> if you're thinking week one, week seven sounds like the 2025 it opener. Does. It you know, does, it, right. it sounds way far from now. But I'm looking at week seven, you host the Browns. So that's a game, a, a couple of divisional games. You get the Titans in week five at Jacksonville in week six. I think going home in uh, playing Cleveland, I could see that being a spot potentially where you would go with him. I just think this, if you have Minshew to start the season and you say, hey, Anthony Richardson, he's got a lot of promise, but we just don't want to throw him to the Wolves just yet. Because if you throw him out there in week one and he struggles, now you're really in a tough spot. You don't want to yank him in favor of Gardner Minshew. That is the worst case scenario. So if you think about, you give Minshew a, a couple of games, feel it out. If you give Anthony Richardson week seven, You've got, what, 11 games left on the schedule? That's the thing. It's yeah. a long haul here. So even if he's not there for the first six games, he'd get 11 games potentially if he's healthy and upright and all that. That's a lot. My thing is it has to be your solution. And what I mean by that is it has to be around week seven. Like if it's week three, I and the casual fan – can't buy into oh well I'm glad we sat him two games so we get a, like I, it needs to be it's a real growth gap for me because if it's just a game or two 
I would rather them, unless it's clear, like, oh, he's not ready for an opener. That's going to be too overwhelming. I'd rather not hear that about my future franchise quarterback if I'm a Colts fan, but that's what it winds up being. Okay, I can stomach, like, if it's clear we want him to develop more and that's going to be done on the sidelines. I want it to be a six-week period. I don't want it to be, hey, yeah, he's good. It's week three now. Let's throw him out there. Yeah, I just, it's weird, right, when we always debate this, Jimmy, because Let's just say you don't start Anthony Richardson in week one. Sure. And you're thinking, all right, you know, he's, he's got to learn a little bit more. He's not quite comfortable, you know, reading these more advanced defenses. Let's give him a little bit more time. Is it going to be like a month and a half right. in practice where it's boom, light switches on? No, no. But I think it lands a lot differently if – Instead of week one and he gets off to, let's just say it's a little bit of a shaky start the first three games. If it's weeks seven, eight, and nine, and who knows, the Colts record, let's say it's two and four. Let's say they're one and five. You know what I mean? It, if Richardson struggles and he starts in week seven, it just yeah. lands completely differently. And you're not even thinking about, hey, we got to yank this guy. I mean, good Lord. You know, if, if the handwriting is on the wall and it's going to be a losing season, you clearly just stick with Anthony Richardson. You're not even tempted to pull him. It would have to be the disaster of disasters to do that. You just wouldn't if you start him more so toward the midway point or not even. That's what I would do. I think that makes more sense. The only caveat to that that concerns me a little bit if I was within a coaching staff or if I was trying to balance of all this whether I was a quarterback's coach an offense coordinator or the head coach is if I'm looking at the way we're having to divvy up or battle with reps in the preseason already with the ones like I get it I know you can still get practice time with the twos but from just the overall roster development standpoint if this is the guy of the future I wanted to be taking as many reps with the ones as possible but if it's, let's say, six weeks, right. Minshew's going to be getting those because you want familiarity on that end on the field for that six-week span or however long it is in this hypothetical. That's the only thing. I don't I don't disagree with the premise because this isn't really, and you've acknowledged this before, it's not necessarily a who's right or who's wrong with where we are in the conversation. It's two philosophical thoughts of what's right. the best thing to do for a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, uh, I mean, it's funny. On SportsCenter, they're showing highlights of Trevor Lawrence. Yep. Um, and think about how many passes that guy threw at Clemson. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it just it pales in comparison when you're looking at Anthony Richardson, and uh, like that matters. The lack of experience coupled with week one starter. Yeah. I just that's not an equation that I see <laughs> like being the best <laughs> for the Colts. Uh, but who knows, Jimmy? They might toss him out there in week one. Some people think they will. Hey, flip side, ultimate loser mentality. Uh, the Colts, most some Colts fans, very young Colts fans, don't know what it's like to win a season opener anyway. So what's the difference? If <laughs> hey, now. Hey. <laughs> uh, ballpark, what do you think? Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. How many passing attempts oh. do you think he had in college? We had Anthony Richardson at, what, 393? What, what do you think for Trevor Lawrence coming out of Clemson? Can you do me a favor? Can yes. can can you tell me like Cam Newton's like just give me a four year starter not or not a well he wasn't a four year not a four year starter but you know what I mean like like just somebody that's oh, okay just, just like a quick so I don't overshoot sure. this because that's what's going to happen I'm either going to undershoot or I'm going to overshoot it <laughs> okay all right let me uh, let me you don't have to give me that. the name of the quarterback just a just a, a average three year starter okay so here's Cam Newton all right yep. Cam Newton for essentially one season at Auburn. 
He was at 280. And adding his 12 passes over two years at Florida, he's at 292 right, for I, essentially one season. I'm going to say... And uh, you want Deshaun Watson because he was also a three-year starter sure, at Clemson. Sure, why not? Why not? All right, so Deshaun Watson doing some quick math. He was 1207. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Quick, quick uh, math. Wow. I, I, man, I'm, I'm going to say... Uh, attempts, right? That's where you're looking at? Attempts, yep. yep. I'm going to say 1300. Not bad. 1138. Wow. So, Trevor Lawrence, think about this. Now, this is really quick math over here. The first guess would have been 800, by the way. So, that shows you where we were with the intel I was provided. Thank you. So, he's in the neighborhood, Trevor Lawrence, in college, throwing roughly 750 more passes than Anthony Richardson. Is that a lot? It's a lot. <laughs> like, Anthony Richardson, <laughs> that's over. Like a season and a half, at least, <laughs> he went back to college. Yeah, know? but how do their combine numbers compare? <laughs> but that, that's what I'm saying is, I, 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 listen, I'm not saying no chance, no how, starting him in week one, but when he's that inexperienced in college, I just don't feel the rush of, just get him out there, he's going to learn on the job. I I would ease into it a little bit more, because if he struggles, which he's almost inevitably going to do, it's different being the new guy starting in week seven or thereabouts yeah. compared to you're the week one starter. Now, I don't care what anybody says. Fans can tell you, oh, I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to have crazy expectations. It's like, yeah, right. You're a fan. Okay. So if he trots out there in week one, there are going to be some fans that have hoop dreams of something huge happening. And if it doesn't happen, I just don't like how that could land if that's the case. If the Colts were to go, let's say he starts the whole season. Colts go five and 12. He... Mm-hmm throws for over 3,500 yards. He has a completion percentage of about 59%. And he has 12 touchdowns and like 16 interceptions. That's almost Trevor Lawrence's rookie season. How would you feel about that season? <laughs> I, I would feel like, eh. But it, it, I asked really, that because it, I just looked at StatMuse and read off Trevor Lawrence's rookie season. I know, season that's it's like 12 and 17. I modified yeah. a couple things, but yeah, yeah, that's basically what it was. You, you modified from 12 and 17 <laughs> to 12 and 16. That's right, I'm more like, efficient. Huh, that's right, how about that's that? A, <laughs> that's oddly familiar. Brian, since we're including Jimmy on this playoff debate that we're going to have later on, and seven teams in, seven teams out, should we also have him uh, predict the stats for Anthony Richardson like we did last week? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we need a lot of predictions from you today, Jimmy. Man, I've left my crystal ball at home. Does anybody have one? Can I yeah. borrow one real quick? We're going to need your uh, training camp song of choice. Just ask Aaron Boone. <laughs> Mo Ali Cox is going with future, you know, so you're going to have to think about that. I don't know what you're going to go with in camp. Think about it, Jimmy. It's got to be high energy. Got to go high energy for a camp song. It you does. Know? You're right. I- I'm going to get your uh, your thought on that. Also, where is this going to end up? Three likely scenarios. Which one are you choosing? That's coming up. I'm Brian, though. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Great selection by our guy, Eddie Garrison. Little Van Halen when they were cool with David Lee Roth before they grew up and got mature and boring. That's a conversation for a different day. Sammy Hagar. Do I digress on that? I don't know. <laughs> I'll take the high road and not 
interject here. <laughs> what a guy. What a guy, Eddie Garrison. Look By the way, him. Eddie, what are you going with? What's your training camp song? They come to you and they say, all right, we need some high energy over here. What are you going with? I said, oh, what did I say? It was, um, oh, what Drake song was it? Uh, oh, yeah, you did say that. It started from the bottom. Is yep, that what you went yeah, with? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Maybe. Yeah, you did say that. That's right. So, Jimmy, you were gone last week. I was. Living it up. I was. You know, getting your bets in before you went to South Carolina <laughs> because it's not a legal betting state. <laughs> getting close. For you. Getting close. Yeah. Getting close. Inching closer. Uh, so what would you go with? Training camp song of choice. Montel Jordan. <laughs> I mean, that that's got to be like a, like a middle middle of the middle of the camp type thing. Start it off. Uh, probably go DNA by Kendrick Lamar. Oh, really? That's, that's, that's a big hype song for me. There you go. A- yeah. Anything by by Kendrick really is usually high intensity. I love it. There oh. you go. Yeah, yeah, no, that works out well. Yep. Absolutely. I do like Eddie's choice, though, too. Start I feel like it'd be solid. more popular in Colts camp than <laughs> my choice. But hey, you can take the offensive lineman out to dinner now. You got that going for you. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Kelly, big metal guy, as Mo Ali Cox told us. See, with those offensive linemen, I feel like it's either metal and it's like heavy metal and classic rock, or it's country. There's like yep. no middle ground. Yep. I would agree. I, I wonder who the biggest rap guy is. You know, offensive lineman, someone that you didn't see coming, like, whoa, really? <laughs> like Quentin Nelson, huge rap guy. Like, all right, whatever. Uh, how about this? Shane Steichen yesterday. I love this so much. So, Coach was asked directly what specific injury Jonathan Taylor is on the pup list for. And he says this, quote, He's just dealing with something right now, and I'm going to refrain from getting into all of that. End quote. I love that Shane Steichen was like, Ole! Ole! Not getting into that! He's just dealing with something. We're going to leave it right there. I don't blame him at all as far as that that whole situation. No, I don't either. That's that's undue... Because the follow-ups are going to be insane. That, that's undue stress to that. If you if you're too specific with it, then you're going to be sitting there in that press scrum, and instead of getting the questions that you probably wanted to have answered in the allotted time, you're having to deal with a thousand follow-ups there. So I don't blame him at all either. So now we get to this. What's the most likely outcome with this Jonathan Taylor situation here? Okay, he's asked for a trade. Jim Mersey said no. He went to Kembe. No, no, no. We're not trading him now. We're not trading him in October. Not doing it. So, which do you think is most likely the way this this plays out? It's JT. He plays for the Colts this season. Even though he wants that long-term extension, he plays for the Colts. Or he sits there and hopes to be traded before the season begins. Or he refuses to play. Colts say, no, we're not trading you. And, and JT says, okay, fine. Well, nah, I'm not playing. Which of the three do you think is most likely to happen? I think going off of history that he winds up playing starting week one. I don't think we see him like in terms of like real reps. I don't know that we see him before that, but mm-hmm. week one, he's there. I think we're headed for Saquonville. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot like Saquon Barkley of the Giants where he didn't request a trade, but he was talking about potentially holding out. That's his leverage. And then the next thing you know, he's like, mm, I'm going to be there actually. <laughs> like This was Saquon. This was on the Money Matters podcast. Yep. This is him talking about, hey, maybe I should use my leverage. This is my leverage. My leverage is... I can say f- you to the Giants. I can say f- you to my teammates and be like, you want me to show you my words? You want to show you how much how valuable I am to the team? I won't show up. I won't play it down. And that's a that's a play I can use. Okay, he's right. 
That was a play he could use shortly after that epiphany. Here it is. Me and my team felt like we were in good faith trying to get a deal done. The Giants felt like they were in a good faith trying to get a deal done. And that's like sometimes you know come to agreement. And I had to come to a decision. And like I said, uh, I had an epiphany. Um, I had a, a mindset of what I was going to do. Um, but I changed my mind. And as wise words of a lot of vets and who, who reached out to me and who set some stuff on, on, on the news and media, when you show up, you can't have that in your heart. Um, it's not a good, not a good thing having your heart. So I put all that aside. Um, I focus on my teammates, everyone in that building, um, and the fans, and go out here and have a hell of a year. I, I think that's probably the road we're going down here. Good faith, JT. huh? I mean, listen, it might linger a little while. It might be ugly for longer than it was with Saquon, and he was talking about holding out and then signed a one-year deal, and he's back at camp, and it's like, wow, okay. It might drag on a little bit more with JT, but I think that's most likely ultimately where it ends up. Am I the only one that thinks this whole thing is weird because Jonathan Taylor is not in that boat? Like, Saquon had a choice to sign or not sign a tag that would have led to an agreed deal for him this season. Like, as we all, I know we all know it in this room, but I feel like we're not emphasizing it enough. Jonathan Taylor still has a deal on a contract that he signed with the Colts as a rookie. Like he, mm-hmm. this isn't, he, he's trying to, and I get why he's trying to do it because he feels like he's backed in a corner like all the other running backs are and he wants to get ahead of it. But this is not, at least in my mind, the way to go about it. You're, you're putting yourself a year ahead of where you actually are in contract talks. And I get why he's doing it because it hasn't worked for anybody else when the tag is on the table. So I'm going to try to do it a year ahead of time. And I think it's just going to have the same result and worst case scenario for him if he doesn't get traded, but he tells himself, I'm going to play through it. I'm going to honor that deal. And then we'll worry about it next offseason. What is to indicate anything that's going to change other than maybe they tag him? Right. Um, I I totally hear your point. It's not the same situation because Saquon, they placed the franchise tag. Uh, on Saquon and this to your point Jimmy and it's it should be highlighted this is the last year this is the fourth year of JT's rookie contract so it's, it's not the the situation where he's been franchise tagged it, it would be the same situation as Saquon next year potentially right, right? If, if JT played this season his last year of his rookie deal yes. and then they franchise tagged him it would be the same as Saquon it's a bit different uh, but there's this There was a really interesting piece on The Athletic about Matt Forte, the former Bears running back. And going into his, he was a second-round pick, right? Just like JT. So going into his fourth season, he had an option to sign a low-ball contract offer or to play out that final year of his rookie deal. And he chose to play out that final year of his rookie deal. He had a really strong season. He got hurt at the very end, but still a strong season. And then he cashed in better than not going forward in 2012 when he signed a bigger deal than he was offered in 2011. The the difference is JT hasn't even been offered a low ball deal. Right. right. <laughs> and it's been at least reported that they're not interested in contract negotiations, the Colts side of things until the season's done. So it's not only there's been radio silence, but it's like, yeah, we're not like want to let this play out. Yeah. So well, and the other thing too is Matt Forte, you go back to 2012, Jimmy. He signed a four-year, $30.4 million deal in 2012. That's 11 years ago. You know what I mean? 
that was similar to Miles Sanders signed with the Panthers. He went from the Eagles to the Panthers. He signed a four-year deal for about $25 million. Matt Forte, 11 years ago, he signed a four-year deal for $5 million more. And you could sit here and say, well, Matt Forte did this and his numbers were here. and Not light years different between Forte and Miles Sanders. And yet 11 years later, Miles Sanders is getting a deal that's worth $5 million less over the same amount of years. It's crazy. I mean, it's... You and I kind of discussed it off air. Like it's it's gotten to a point where, like the conversation is is as you've mentioned, treating running backs like they don't matter at all, and that's that's too far the other way. But the only way in any walk of life, but in particular this one for running backs, that they're going to ever feel like they're more valued is with the money increase. And as we've highlighted, or a rookie scale modification, or something to allow them to be set up to get more money either early on in their careers or more money than the weaponizing of the tag that has happened over the last five, 10 years or so. But the only way that's ever going to happen is the next CBA negotiations. And that's 2030. And and we talked about it yesterday with, with Jeff Schwartz and Charles McDonald. And it's like, it, that's going to be kids that are like in high school right now, <laughs> or like in the, the latter stages of like seventh and eighth grade before any real change. If it even works, the next CBA occurs. Yeah, and I know it. <laughs> what's going to reverse the perception? You know, like what's going to get teams to look at the running back position and say, hey, we value that position in terms of workload, in terms of touches, you know, carries, catches, all that type of stuff. Josh Jacobs had 49% of the touches last season for the Raiders, almost half. There's one guy. So you can't say they're not valued in terms of game planning and touches and workload and all of that. It's just at the negotiating table. But what's going to change the perspective for teams to say, no, we need to value them at the negotiating table as well? Within reason? I I don't know that it exists. The only thing that could change it, and it's not going to because it'll never happen. But the only thing that could change is we hear all this, the, whatever, the running back Zoom that happened and the group yeah. chats that they're on. The only way they could really do anything yeah. is a collective strike at the position. And the reason it's not going to happen is because is Christian McCaffrey going to give up on $16 million he's making this year? Well, and I think going to yeah. give up on 12 and a half? And like, I think it's the, the guys at the complete other end of the spectrum. Right. Right? It's the yes. guys that if this is a writer's strike in L.A. Right, or in Hollywood – and you're like, we don't have any writers. <laughs> that that makes a big impact, impact there. But it's the guys that are making league minimum. They're just trying to make a roster. And it's like, wait a minute. So I'm not going to show up? And just so like the top-end guys can get the top-end deals? I might not even fall into that box ever into that category. So I don't think the low-end guys would do it either. And if the it's just the high-end guys sitting out, Chances are some of the lower end guys are going to give you some production. You know, not the same, but some. So I don't know if it would make that big of an impact when it's all said and done either. What about my fellow Jay Cook, James Cook in Buffalo, who's going to make $1.4 yeah. million dollars next year? Is, is he sitting out? Like, I mean, it's it just you go down the list of yeah. running backs at that lower tier, and there's some guys that are even further down than that. Are they really going to sit out collectively to do that? And if they don't, then you're at a point where, okay, it's veterans or unproven running backs that are playing a position that 
in most NFL offenses, if you're me, if you are in a certain state, whether it's stability at the quarterback or strong offensive line, you'll be able to make do unless your offense is solely based on the running back room. It has to be complete, and there's just no way that's going to be possible within the varying salaries and how large the running back population is in the NFL. Now, think about this, Jimmy. This is going back to Matt Forte. He made a comment. Now, this is specifically about Saquon Barkley, but it can be applied to Jonathan Taylor as well. Like, we, you outlined the, the differences. Uh, Saquon, they placed the franchise tag on him. JT, final year of his rookie deal. It's not the same. Similar, but not the same thing. This is what Matt Forte said. And so... If you get the franchise tag and you go into the building, you can lift weights and you can practice with the team and stuff. And on game day, I just wouldn't play. And, you know, they can say what they want. The media, they might want to bash the player. But you have to use that as a business tactic because the team treats it as a business. You have to treat your body and your career as a business as well. And so that's the only leverage you have. Okay, let's play that out with JT. He does exactly what... Matt Forte suggests right there. He lifts weights. He's with the team. Game day, I'm just not playing. You you guys got to pay me. Um, Maybe. Maybe it would help. Maybe it wouldn't. The Colts could look at it and say, hey, we got Anthony Richardson. We need to surround him with as much talent as possible. Maybe that could force their hand. But, man, if this is a high-stakes game of poker, the Colts are not giving any indication about – buckling and saying, oh, okay, all right, all right. You forced our hand. Here's your long-term contract. I just don't see that happening. They're dug in. I don't even think that this is the... Like, I don't even think Jim Irsay is this crazy. And that that's a great prelude to what I'm about to say you know is clinically insane. Mm-hmm. If Taylor's tried that, if he tried, like, the, on the $4 million, because it's not, again, the money that Forte's talking about, we're talking about a difference of six or seven million dollars. This is still a four million dollar rookie contract. It matters to Taylor's career earnings, but like that's not as substantial in terms of what the tag is right now. But if a player tried to do that, and I'm in the Colts boat this season, if I wanted to be the ultimate petty move, one year, nine million dollars, ten million dollars, Dalvin Cook. Well, I, that, that, yeah. that, that, that's the I mean, because you look at uh, you know, with Zach Moss now, I mean, it's you know, broken hand or broken arm, I beg your pardon, right. Uh, you're going to have to do something in the running back room, in theory, unless you're just going to keep what you have. If that ever played out like that, the move is, okay, we'll find a veteran running back and keep the cart moving right along. Man, well, and that's the other part. Let's get to this coming up, because you talk about, it's not really a high-stakes game of poker. I think it's a high-stakes game of chess. And the Colts have made a couple of interesting moves where you're like, oh, they're not playing around. (laughs) That's on the way. I'm Brian, though. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian, though. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. So if you look at this between the Colts and JT as a high-stakes game of chess, do they have high-stakes games of chess, by the way, Jimmy? I know you might win a prestigious tournament, but I'm thinking of like the World Series of Poker and some $3 million hand. Do they have anything like that in chess? I don't know. I think there's definitely high pressure, but high stakes, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything like waiting for a turn card. You know what I mean? Yeah, I read something, not to get too far off the rails, 
but it was uh, just some one of these high-end chess tournaments, and it was insane. These guys are like preparing for a sporting event. Like they they have to like run and do conditioning because they said they lose so many calories. Like in a, not, they lose pounds. Like just being at the chess table. And using that much like of a mental strain, you're like sweating buckets. It was crazy. It was the whole thing. Is it bad that when you started out and you said they they put as much time in as a as an athlete would? I just assumed yeah. you know like books and strategy and simulators no. like a like a quarterback day on a, on a Monday in the team facility. I did not envision uh, training for a triathlon. That was not yeah. what I envisioned. That's basically what they do. I'm like, are you serious? I'll try to find. It. I don't know if I have it in my notes somewhere, but it talked about how many calories these uh, these players burn. It's wild. But if this is high stakes chess between JT and the Colts, been a couple of really interesting moves. One move that was not by JT's design is Zach Moss breaking his arm. Right, so he's going to be on the shelf for maybe six weeks. I don't think that adds a whole lot of leverage for JT. If it was six months, eh, maybe, right? But six weeks, that puts you right up at the beginning of the season. So I don't see how that helps JT's position. But the moves that the Colts have made, you could look at these as random. You could look at them as separate. I look at them as connected. Where if you think about JT, he has requested a trade. Jim Ursay emphatically has said, nope, not doing it. Okay? And then you also have this scenario with the back issue where JT is on the PUP list and some look at that as maybe a hold in type move where he doesn't have to pay, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars in fines every single day while not practicing. And so the Colts have said, well, there's this back situation here. And if you're not playing this season, uh, we could just not pay you that four point three million. So how you want to play this? That's what it sends that's the message it sends to me. Whether that's the case or not, I don't know. But I look at those as being connected moves. How do you view all that? I mean, I, I would agree with you. They're not coincidental, right? You're not leaking or you're not giving to the media a story about the idea of using the non-football injury list unless that's a legitimate move that you feel in your pocket. Like Just like with the Saquon um, interview on the Money Matters podcast that you'd played earlier, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago when it had come out, like that full conversation, he plays that as a hypothetical. Like it, he might do it, but he's not saying he's going to. The Colts are just trying to have as many ducks in a row as possible here in stating to Jonathan Taylor, this is where we're at. If you would like to be here week one with you still being under contract, great. If not, look at all the different ways that you could be impacted negatively by this. Yeah, that, there, there's no way they're not connected. It has to be connected. And so that's where it gets serious, where JT is doing what he can to try to earn some leverage and get that long-term contract. And the Colts are essentially saying, hey, there's this back issue that happened not around our training facility. And if you can't go, you might not make $4.3 million. You know, so... It's like, whoa, that is uh that could be a trump card in this whole situation. But it just shows you, hey, there's this to consider before you might think about getting too bold here. I think about this too, Jimmy. This is gonna sound like I'm contradicting myself. I'm really not. I had this job one time 
and it was uh, I was working in a tire factory, and I'll never forget. That doesn't really matter, but one of my friends said about the manager at the time. He said, "Hey, someone's got to be the a hole," and it, it's true. It's like sometimes you have to have the adult that says, "Okay, we're not doing this. That's this is getting in the way of business." I got to be the bad guy, so be it, right? And so if you look at Jim Ursay, I think it was stupid the tweet he put out there. I think it's stupid some of the comments he's made. He hasn't massaged the situation. He's made it rockier. But what's on the opposite side of that, he isn't afraid to be the bad guy. Yeah, He isn't afraid to do some cold-hearted business moves. These are tactics that are eventually, I believe, going to lead in the Colts' favor. And sometimes you got to do that. At the negotiating table, you don't always play fair. And you might do some things where the other side's like, wow, really? You're going there? It's like, yep, I'm going here. And, uh, man, some of these these guys, they didn't stumble upon a, a fortune. You know what I mean? They can they can do business. And uh, I think Ursay's made it harder on himself in the organization at times. But I also think that being the the bad guy or doing some cold-hearted business maneuvering can get things in your favor at the end of the day. The other thing I would do if I am Jonathan Taylor's camp, and I'm more specifically Jonathan Taylor's agent, is I would be doing the back-channeling that agents do, which is trying to feel out from other teams if there's any market in trading for him. Because right now... When yeah. we do it independently, we look around, and I know Jeff Schwartz brought this up yesterday, you look at contenders or potential places that might make sense for him. They already are comfortable enough with their running back situation where they look at Jonathan Taylor being available, even though Ursay says he's not, and it's like, does he help us? Why does he help us? And what is it worth to go get him when we're not going to pay him the type of money that he reportedly is interested in? So at a minimum, the only other leverage pro- play would be to try to of your own accord or of your agent's own accord, try to turn up interest in Jonathan Taylor to maybe put pressure on the Colts in that way. And that's the tough thing, man, is who's the team? Yeah. If you look at the Bills, you mentioned James Cook. You know, your guy. Indeed. <laughs> Fellow Jay Cook. Always good to see that. Where they like him a lot. Had him on my and, fantasy team last year as a backup. And they have him on the cheap. How much is he making this uh, year? be 1.4 this year. 1.4. Four million dollars, and they have visions of him being a three-down back, like a legitimate difference maker. And so, why are they doing that deal? You know, Jonathan Taylor is a good running back. Don't get me wrong; when he's healthy, he could be electric. But if you look at the Bills, is that the missing piece? Are they going to view it that way, where they have to trade for the guy and pay the guy? On top of some of these other contract issues that they have to work out, extensions. Look at the Dolphins. The Dolphins have come up. Look at all these deals they got to give out soon. <laughs> They've got t- it's a good problem to have, but you've got Jalen Waddle, you've got Jalen Phillips, uh, you just traded for Jalen Ramsey. Like y- you've got Tua, uh, you've got Christian Wilkins, you got all these guys that need to get paid. So trading for JT and giving him a long term deal, it's not going to happen there. If you really wanted to be sleazy and be like just very scum in terms of your owner operations if you're a team like Miami and you can give up something you're comfortable to get him I, this is terrible right I understand but this is just this is the business of the NFL be very vague in terms of what type of contract extension he's going to have it's a one-year rental as long as it's not 
giving up too much that would set yourself back. Like a team like Miami, they're building something special there. And you're right. They do have names they're going to have to start paying in the future. But if you could add Jonathan Taylor to the Dolphins this season, I, I, I would take that. With, with, with the type of offense Josh McDaniel wants to run out there, I, I would be all for that. The question is, what would be the risk-reward of what you'd be giving up? Right. Versus, because this, this is how I view Jonathan Taylor right now. Best case scenario for a team trading for him, it's a one-year rental with an asterisk by it, and the asterisk is will lead to a massive pain in the backside next offseason because you know he's going to want to get paid. And if you don't want to pay him, you're looking at it as a one-year rental option and you view him as a position player that would, in theory, take you over the top. So what's the price point for that? That's the thing is, let's go back to the Dolphins again. Think about all the trades that they've made. They traded for Tyreek Hill. That was a lot of draft compensation. Mm -hmm. They traded for Bradley Chubb. They traded for Jalen Ramsey. Like, you... You know, you, all of a sudden you're inching closer and closer to beating the Rams and yeah. F them picks. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like five and twelve. Yeah, ugh, that was a rough uh, second season after the Super Bowl year. So I don't know that they want to go that far down that road. And like you said, if this is just a one year rental, is that worth a third rounder for the Finns? Yeah. Eh, yeah. One year rental for a third rounder. Like you could hit on a third rounder that's going to be around for the next decade. Right. It happens a lot. <laughs> or, or, or you could find a substantial or useful running back that you could develop in house at a more right financial kind number to your team. Yeah, they drafted Devin A. Chain, um, and uh, who knows how great he's going to be or good or anything like that. But that's the cheaper route to go. And he's younger, right? You know what the other problem is all the dumb teams that I would look at and say, oh, they'll throw money around. They're not a good franchise. Already are either tied up with running backs, a la the Raiders, or they have made a hard stance that, no, we're smart now. We're not going to pay a running back. We're going to waive them, in fact. Obviously, the Cowboys. There's not a clear cut like, oh, that's the franchise that would definitely, you know, buck the trend and overpay for. Like, I don't have it right now in terms of this current point with week one. Just about a month or so away, I don't have the team that's going to be so desperate, barring an injury in training camp, right. that would want to go ahead and make that move. It reminds me of the end of the movie Braveheart. You've seen the movie, right, Jimmy? I have, but it's a long time. I only wow. know the, I only know the speech. That's it. That's all, that's all I got for you. Like the freedom! Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so right before that, it's like this old medieval way of, like, he's, they've got ropes and they're just cranking. It's like stretching his arms and legs. I'm not getting graphic here, but it's just stretching him. That That is figuratively how it feels with running backs yeah. right now, right? Where teams are just, okay, crank, and it's okay, the arms are getting stretched a little more. Okay, uh, crank, and it's just it's just a matter of time until like, okay, okay, all right, fine. Because you know, th- there's no real leverage here to get no. it going your way. All right, coming up next, Jimmy, I give you – uh, I found the stat about uh, chess grandmasters. Yes. And burning calories. It's tremendous. That'll be on the way. And then also, Jimmy, seven in, seven out. Boy. Seven new playoff teams, seven playoff teams from last season that will be on the outside looking in. Jimbo makes his predictions around the corner. Whoo, baby. I got a front row seat for this. I'm Brian, though. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. 
Here on the fan, how many uh, how many concerts do you think you've been to in your life there, Jimmy? It's under 10. Under 10? Yeah, I'm not a big concert guy. How about you, Eddie? How many concerts in your 12 years here on Earth? <laughs> like one. <laughs> what? Not a concert guy. You've been to... Who was it? Uh, it was last year. I went with my girlfriend to a five seconds of summer concert. And that's it. You're yep. just one and done for the time being, at least. Yeah, I think we've got another one. She bought tickets for them again this year, so I'll go with her. <laughs> I guess. You sound fired up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's gonna pick up some paint and go yeah. go, go paint the back. Go shirtless, the back paint my body. <laughs> wow, man, I'm surprised you guys. Uh, I, I'm re- I'm most surprised about you, Eddie. I didn't expect you to be like a you know weekend warrior concert goer, but just one. I'm shocked mm-hmm. about that. Not a big concert guy. I'll yeah. big spend for the sporting events. I I got to cut costs somewhere. So sorry, See? concert. That's just where it goes. See? Yep, there we go. What was the uh, the most expensive um, game that you've gone to, Jimmy? Can you think off the top? of Probably yeah. the AFC Championship. Yeah, it cost me cost me four thirty to go to the AFC Championship. Wow, game four dollars and thirty cents. <laughs> yeah, that's that's impressive. It's four dollars thirty cents. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also a seat snob. If I'm going to go to a game really? like that, I particularly like if it's if it's you know cold weather game like that, I, I don't want to be up in the nosebleed. So that was that was back end zone, uh, uh, seventeen rows back of one of the end zones at Arrowhead. But so, now of wow. course that's your whole family and not just you. And yeah, it was. Yeah, everybody went. Yeah, correct. Yeah, every, every, uh, wait, we had like eight, I didn't nine want people, people that think went. You were rolling that high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the cabbage there for yeah, you. To be and clear, Mrs. Hey, Cook. Yeah, that's no. not bad at all, though, Jimmy. Those seats. I went to the national championship game when it was in Indy. It was uh, Bama and Georgia. So that was the first title game that Georgia won the last two years, right? It was the Bryce Young pick six, which somehow <laughs> nobody brings up because uh, Jamison Williams was hurt. It's like, ah, pick six to lose the game. I, whatever. Your wide receiver is down. Who cares? Uh, but anyway, that was about, I want to say it was around like 600, and it was high up there. College games are in, college games are insane. Like I get it. Yeah. I know the Super Bowl is a whole different animal. I understand that, but you would be surprised at how efficiently you could find NFL playoff game tickets from a price standpoint, regardless of you know within reason. We're not saying like front row at the fifty yard line, but comparable seats at each level for like a. a Alabama Auburn versus like a, a I don't know a Giants and Vikings playoff game like it's insane trying to get into big time college football games. It is, and uh, man, that was I was there with the Georgia fans. It was great. I was in the Georgia <laughs> section. It was really cool. And man, Eddie or uh, Jimmy, Jimmy and Eddie, huh? see that little save right there. Good work, nice job. Not not great. Bobbled but it, but you made the throw to first in time. Good work. <laughs> We're gonna go to the replay. I think his second foot was out of bounds. Um, they were living and freaking dying with each play. Because <laughs> think about it. It had been since 1980 or thereabouts since they last won a championship. This is the title game against Bama. You know what I mean? And oh my gosh, I was next to this one lady. She, she was having basically a nervous breakdown during the game. And they wanted, they're in tears. It was. It was an experience, man. It was fun. It was great. I'm glad I did it. I caught COVID, which was a drawback, but uh, it was great to go there, man. It's great. Our uh, 
the legend himself, our friend, our boss, Todd Meyer, shares with us a nice ticket stub. February 9th, 1981, Market Square Arena, a little Bruce Springsteen on a Monday for, for old Todd. So there you go. You know, listen, I love the boss. This is going to sound negative. I have to play this because, uh, <laughs> listen, the boss, <laughs> you got to stick with vocals and rhythm guitar. Okay? Just, you just got to stick with it. This was, I believe, on the Grammys years ago. And they were doing this whole, it was like, like a jam session. So they're playing this rock song. I don't remember which one it was. Maybe you'll be able to tell. Probably not with the bad lead guitar here. But they would just trade lead guitar licks. Remember Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters was on stage. Bruce Springsteen was there. And Bruce is like, yeah, all right, cool. Let me try a couple of lead guitar licks. Bad idea. Bad idea. Listen to this. It sounds like Guitar Hero gone wrong. <laughs> I, I was waiting for it. I was like, oh, this has got to be like, uh, it's not that bad. And then I thank you for the Guitar Hero in my mind. That's exactly what it sounds like. Bing, boom, boom. Yeah, like you're just missing all the notes. Yep, yeah, 100%. Yep, yep. Here's a couple others. Check this one out. Here's Bruce again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You kidding? I'm just trying to help Todd Meyer go down memory lane, and you gotta. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm not talking trash about the boss. You're it's not, just you gotta know your strengths and your weaknesses. Hey, that's all. That's all it is. Right? He's not Jimi Hendrix. No. It's okay. He's not a lead guitarist. It's fine. Okay, so here is the uh, the chess stat before we get to your seven new playoff teams. Take as long as you want, by the way, with this chess story. You, you, you yeah. go, go as oh, long man. as you like. I, I get it, man. That's a rough <laughs> exercise. So here, listen to this. Chess grandmasters. The reason I bring this up is from the last hour. I was saying between Jonathan Taylor and the Colts, it's like a game of chess here. And the Colts are like, oh, PUP list? Holding out? There's this thing called NFI. I don't know if you've heard of it. But if you're not playing, we don't pay you. So there's that. Right? Like that, that's a chess move. That's how I look at it all day long. So that's what brought this up. Chess grandmasters need incredible amounts of brain power and extreme physical endurance. I was like, wait, what? Extreme physical endurance? They're playing chess. To take on their rivals, major tournaments can run six hours a day, 10 to 12 days in a row. Players might burn up to 6,000 calories and lose two pounds per day during the grueling matches. Man. They're burning two pounds six, a day? Two pounds a day, 6,000 calories. Think how much you have to eat just to break <laughs> even. That's a lot of eating to reach 6,000 calories in a day. Man. Yeah. So they're, they're like, they're physically training for this type of stuff. So you're telling me that instead of like all these other weight loss advertisements we see on TV that all you need to do is take up chess? Like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's the play? That's it. It's a no keto, <laughs> keto, no, 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 no. Just go play a chess tournament. That's it. Just go play a high-end chess tournament. You're good. You're going to have to call off work. Just say it's jury duty. Whatever. Make something up. Uh, yeah. And then you play this chess tournament. You're good. You're in bikini shape all of a sudden, you know? Yeah, that's it. Okay, I'll remember that for the next vacation then. Yeah. All right, Jimmy. Now we get to this. Oh, baby, the moment of truth. Enough procrastination. Yes. So recent history has shown us, since we've expanded the NFL playoffs here, 
to 14 teams. We've had this each of the last three seasons, okay? 14 total teams. So it's happened the last couple of years where there are seven new playoff teams and there are seven teams that don't earn a second straight trip to the playoffs or trips in consecutive seasons, right? So what we're trying to do, we're pinpointing seven new playoff teams and we got to find seven teams from last season that made it that will not make it to the playoffs this season. I don't know which is more gross. (laughs) Because <laughs> both are really, really difficult. I think it's worse to try to find the teams that made it that will not get back there again. I think that's harder. So let's ease you in here. Let's go with seven new playoff teams, Jimmy. Who are you pinpointing here? Start with one of the two conferences. Your choice. Just have at it. Okay, I'll start first with the AFC. Okay, let's go to the AFC. Your seven new playoff teams beginning in the AFC. Not all in the AFC, oh. by the way, but just collectively. Okay, so, so to clarify, it is a total of seven. I don't need seven from each conference. No, I was no, going to say because no. I did not this, for the for the folks at home uh, on the YouTube chat. I went legal pad here. That's right. I I have a list because Ooh. I needed something to go off of, and uh, I did not prepare for seven from each conference. You know, now see is this how he's cheating, Brian? Already, we didn't have the legal pad. Hey, you we pre- went, you we prepped went me off. for a segment. You prepped me for a whole segment. I know. Okay, what we, am I we supposed made, to do? Not we made prepare? do with uh, computers here. I you lost pre- two pounds. Yeah. I lost yeah. two pounds just now preparing for this, like a grandmaster. Yes. Okay, that's just that, what that, I'm glad you said that. It's either <laughs> have a high end chess tournament or just do this exercise. You're gonna burn calories left and right no seven total teams in the entire nfl that will be new playoff teams so you can start in the afc pick two three four whatever you want there are three teams from the afc okay it will be the new york jets yep the cleveland browns cleveland and the denver broncos denver okay all right and the nfc we need four for the NFC, it will be, they'll be happy to hear this, the Detroit Lions. Okay. Bounce back time for the Los Angeles Rams. Uh-huh. Rodgers who? The Green Bay Packers. Oh, ugh. Yuck. And, and this one is personal for everybody in this studio. The Carolina Panthers. Yes. I've made it personal, huh? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> the Smurf himself, Bryce Young, and the Frank Reich redemption story. They're going to the playoffs, baby. Man, if the Smurf... <laughs> Bryce Young pulls this off in your way. And you know what? Here's the thing. It's possible. It is possible. I have questions about Bryce Young over the long haul. Can he, can he be durable? Did you guys that? bump the Buccaneers, by the way? Because that's what I did there, right? So I bumped Tampa Bay. I yeah. needed somebody to win the South. So, so here, here's what each of, like, myself and Eddie, what we did. We'll start with Eddie. So NFC, he went Giants, Tampa, Seattle. I, I'm sorry. Listen, uh, those are. I haven't I'm given, the right I haven't given the right who list. I've kicked. My bad, 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 bad. The, the new, wait, let me see what you do. The new, I gave you the wrong list. So the new playoff teams he went with. Sorry, I gave you the wrong thing. Eddie went with the newbies being Detroit, Atlanta, and New Orleans is what he went with. And he went in the AFC, Jets, Steelers, Titans, Denver. Did, is that right, Eddie? Does that sound right? Did you go Titans? Yep. That means okay, he kicked he out the Jaguars and the Chargers. Okay. At least for two of those, anyway. No. Right. No? Well, 
Not, you, I did, I did not kick, kick out the out, Jags. You kick out Kansas City? No, I okay, did not I kick out say. the Jags. All right, okay. <laughs> I will, I'll tell you mine real fast. Yeah, go ahead. The, the seven new ones. This All is right. going to sound like, well, wow, well, wow. After a while, just throwing teams out there. Jets, Cleveland. So I'm with you on that, Jimmy. I also went with Denver. I've got three, all three of your teams. I also added Tennessee. Okay. I just am not buying all this Jacksonville overhype. They're good. Uh, they got a great chance to win the division. I just think it's going to be a lot closer than people envision. I could see the Titans winning that. That wouldn't shock me at all. And then also uh, in the NFC, Lions, Saints, Rams. So our lists are, are pretty similar here, Jimmy. Yep. Yeah, we, we had the Lions and the Rams, and then I just went Packers, Panthers. So I, I, had, I had four NFC teams, and you had three, correct? Yep, okay. that's right. Okay, so now this is where it gets real. You're looking for... Seven teams that made the playoffs last season that will not make it this season. Again, history shows us we lose about 50% of the playoff teams from last season. Um, so if you're pinpointing who made it and who will not this season, who are you looking at? All right, I want to rip the Band-Aid off right away. And yeah. I'm going to start with the AFC. Okay. The Ravens. Be more. All right. The Chargers. Uh-huh. And the fence. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. It, was, it wasn't an easy decision, but it had to be done. It's a business. You understand. I understand, man. <laughs> We're talking about Jim Irsay all day. I get it. <laughs> but hey, listen. You know, if I die today and the Dolphins cease to exist, I mean, the, the NFL's going right. to go on. I mean, no one's going to miss them. Sorry. Yeah, life goes on. Yeah. Okay. About the NFC. Need four of them. Four teams that will not repeat as playoff teams. I told you one already. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh-huh. The New York Football Giants. Uh huh. The Seattle Seahawks. Okay. And America's team, the Dallas oh, Cowboys. Man, you're going <laughs> Dallas. Wild. Okay. How about them Cowboys? Wild. <laughs> now here's the question: Which of these teams that you have not making it back to the playoffs do you feel the grossest about? The most uneasy about? This is going to shock a lot of people. The Chargers. And the reason is that I I, I don't trust Denver. I don't trust the Raiders. And I I, I think the Chargers are just good enough to get back into the playoffs. If you made me go by conference, it's the Chargers and the Cowboys in terms of like who I'm from each conference most disgusted with myself for having to give the boot to. But Chargers went out for me. I don't mind your list. I can see it happening. But the main problem I have with it is there isn't something that's crazy enough on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. That's what happens in the NFL all the time. You almost have to have something on your list that you don't quite believe in that will happen. (laughs) It's it's crazy. I go back to last season in the NFC. This has always been my example. We went into last season saying, well, it's not a great conference, but at least we know Green Bay – Tampa Bay, and the Rams are good. Mm -hmm. It's a crapshoot after that. And all three of those teams had losing records. (laughs) The Rams, the defending Super Bowl champions, were 5-12. and If you were to say, think about that. Could you say right now with a straight face, not only will the Chiefs miss the playoffs, they're going to be (laughs) 5-12. and People would laugh in your face. And I understand that Stafford is not Mahomes. I get that. But we didn't see the Rams going 5-12 on August 1st no, last season, no. last year either, and it happened. 
the only one that I could have done, and I, I didn't do it because it, it felt gross to do, and it's the same reason of why would the Chiefs go 5-12? and 12? Well, something happened to Mahomes. That'd be the only reason I could think of that it would happen if for some reason the calf thing with yeah. Burrow is is bigger than what it's being reported and said to be or it's re-aggravated, maybe they take a step back. But I didn't want to play the hypothetical injury game, so I left the top dogs from the AFC a year ago in the Chiefs and the Bengals and the Bills in my list. Now, here's the or question, because, man, my seven out, oh, Jimmy, I hope you're sitting down. This might give you indigestion oh. at the very least here, <laughs> You're my seven out. Wait till you hear the AFC one. Which was harder for you, by the way? For me, it was finding seven to put back in. I don't have time. No. I don't have a problem cutting off heads. It was, okay, now who do I replace these people with? I'm the opposite. Yeah? Yeah, because some of these teams that made the playoffs, you obviously see their strengths. And it's. I think it's harder to make the argument it's going to go south for some of those teams sure. that made the playoffs. And it will. It's just hard to see it, and I think you set yourself up to look like an idiot more so that way. That's fair. Right? Than saying, hey, you know, uh, uh, the the Saints didn't make the playoffs. They're going to make it this year. Like, no one's going to call you crazy for saying that, but my teams that made it last year that I have not making it this year, it's just a gross list. There are four teams here. That, it's like, really? Buffalo. Ooh. Bengals. Wow. Jacksonville. Chargers. And then the NFC, I've got Giants, Tampa, and the Niners. Mm. I got them as a non-playoff team. I don't love it. I'll be honest with you guys, but crazy you do stuff's going to happen. Did you do that because McCaffrey and the rest of the running back is going to hold out and it's going to no. self-destruct the, the <laughs> Niners from within? No? Okay, no. I'll make sure. <laughs> I do believe this, though. I do believe there are some legitimate reasons it could happen. Where if you look at Brock Purdy... Is he starting week one? Even if he is, are you sold on the guy? He had five regular season starts. And there are a bunch of people that are like, oh, this dude is the truth. It's like, really? (laughs) He's going to be the guy for the next decade? He's Mr. Irrelevant, started five regular season games, had a decent performance against the Seahawks in the playoffs, and then got hurt. He got hurt against the Eagles. That's all we know. That's all we know about him. And yet somehow they're solidified at quarterback? Not at all. And then if you have a Rams resurgence, blessed with better health, I can certainly see that division outside of Arizona being tougher than you envision going in for San Francisco. And I also think they fit the mold of a team with high expectations. And you see this a lot too. Some of these teams with high expectations, they get tripped up at the beginning of the season and they press. They start pressing and and it snowballs. I can see it happening. The one thing I want to ask you, because I can't let it skate by, but I'm sure you, you definitely elaborated last week, but obviously wasn't here. Can you give me the cliff notes of why Bengals, why Bills miss out? Yeah, well, Bills, the thing with Josh Allen, he's been really, really good, but he takes a lot of chances okay. running the ball. Sure. And I would not be shocked if he gets caught the wrong way one of these times. And uh, that that's my concern. And it's also a loaded division. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a loaded conference. You know, and you're playing a first-place schedule. That's the thing. If you look at the AFC, some of these teams playing first-place schedules, it's not easy. <laughs> no, it's not. It is not easy at all. So on top of playing a loaded division, you look at Buffalo, their first-place games, you play Jacksonville, that's in London. You play the Bengals. 
And eh, you get a break with Tampa. That's not crazy. But if you look at the Bengals, let's look at their first place games. Bills, Vikings, at the Chiefs. Like that that's on top of a really tough division, really yeah. tough conference. I mean, that could swing it. That really could swing. Maybe it's just seeding. Maybe it's even having a playoff berth to begin with. To me, I went out with Buffalo because if you look at – we talked about this last week, Brian. If you look at their first-half schedule compared to their second half of the season schedule, yeah. second half is incredibly difficult and hard. So if they tripped up at all in that first half of the season, I don't, and I with how difficult their second half of the season is, I could see them slipping out. Yeah, and hey, man, it's one of those things. I think we do this – each year as if it's played on paper, and it's not. You just think about training camp right now, the Burrow injury, the Jalen Ramsey injury. Once we get in, this is just practice. Yeah. Like once we get into a season, you're like, how can the Bengals miss out? If Joe Burrow is healthy for the entire season, how do they miss? It could be week two, Jamar Chase is lost for the season. And, and that has a huge ripple effect. It's football. Yeah. It's a collision sport. Crazy stuff happens all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very unique exercise because it really does make you try to play a, an extreme on the fly version of, of Madden of trying to figure out, okay, well, all these moves are happening. I know they happen now. Well, let's try to simulate this out in, in my head. And yeah, I mean, the it's valid with how tough not only the conference is, but the AFC East looks for Buffalo to the point that you could... I'm not going to back New England. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it. I don't believe in Mac Jones. But uh-huh. you could look at the Jets and the Dolphins and how they're built right now. Maybe the Ramsey injury impacts that a little bit. But you could look and say, no, they're a dark horse pick for me. Or no, I feel confident they could win the division. And now all of a sudden, if that happens, if you're Buffalo, you're in a wild card race with teams like the Chargers, with teams like the Dolphins, if it was the Jets that wanted out within your own division, and Eddie's right, and you're right too. If you were to stumble in the early goings or an injury happens, that derails the whole thing. And because of the fact it's a high-end collision sport, that's a large part of why we see so much turnover postseason to postseason. Hey, man, you look at Jacksonville the last two seasons. Coming off a 3-14 and season, there weren't a lot of people that thought they were going to go 9-8, and have a winning record, get to the playoffs. And it happened. Yeah. I also think, man, you look at the Colts. I don't four twelve and one. It sounds pretty outlandish, especially in a loaded conference. And it might end up that way. And I'm not running to the betting window saying they're going to be a playoff team. But there have been wilder things that yeah. have happened before. You think about the Rams. I think they went from what four and twelve to winning the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. In, yeah. in Kurt Warner? Yeah. That, that's insane. Mm-hmm. I go back to my Dolphins. You go back to what? 07 and 08. They went 1 and 15 in 07. And with Chad Pennington, they turned around and went 11 and 5 and won the division. Nobody had a 1 and 15 team <laughs> winning the division. You know, so like wild stuff happens. I think this too, Jimmy. You want to at least have a reason to come back to to say, I called it. And this is why I called it. And I think that prevents you from going with something that isn't really quite explainable right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. when I say Bengals and Niners, you're like, who is this guy? Why, what is he doing? He's wasting my time over here. You want to have a reason to say, this is why. In the NFL, it doesn't feel good enough to be like, I don't know why. But crazy stuff happens yeah. all the time. And, and I don't know the exact reason that it, it might play out. 
But one of these things is going to shock you. And uh, if you're trying to predict what it is, uh, it, it, that might be good enough is to say crazy stuff happens all the time. How much has the Jonathan Taylor contract situation impacted you not having the Colts on your list? I just I just was curious. You know, I feel like that's probably the one and only thing that would hold you back from, from putting the Colts as, as a playoff team next year. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> nothing with the O-line. No, no, no nothing with a, a young corner, you know, no. sliding, uh, starting week one. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's just, <laughs> I thought so. I just want to make sure. It's just JT. I mean, you're, you got, got, got a lock-solid, uh, surefire week one starter in Anthony Richardson. I, I just figured you were, you were ready to roll with them. I don't know. Maybe I misread it's, that. It's my bad. Isn't it fun? Let's do this coming up next. Sometimes the uh, the uh, the takeaway goes too far from year to year. You know, it's almost mm-hmm. like a knee-jerk reaction to the extreme. I'll tell you what that's all about. The Colts, it applies to them as well. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. He's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. So, Jimmy, I think that sometimes we can be... It sounds wrong to say prisoner of the moment when we're talking about an entire season, but I think it can work out like that where let's take the Colts, for instance. Okay. If you go back after the 21 season, nine and eight, Jonathan Taylor had a sensational season. You pick up Matt Ryan. You go back to that time. And I remember here, they're going to have more stable quarterback play than Carson Wentz. This is definitely an upgrade, you know, and I heard, rosier comments because it was a winning season. It was a non-playoff season, but it was a winning season. There were positives to take out of it. Now they, they cratered last season, right? 4-12-1. and one. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it just swings the other way too much where you hear the comments, oh, Colts, what, challenge for the division, challenge for a playoff spot, that type of thing. And it's like they didn't lose like – 30 players to free agency after tw- like the the 2022 season. You know what I mean? Like or after 21. It, it, it's like they still have a lot of the same talented players that helped them 2 years ago that are there right now. It's just the NFL is a parity driven league. And so sometimes you'll see more success one season and a complete lack of success the next. And depending on which happened last, you just think that's what they are going forward. And a lot of times that's not the case. There might even be better examples than the, the Colts right now. The, the Rams would be a great example. Great example. So they win a Super Bowl. F them picks. Yeah, their formula works. That's awesome. Then after 5-12, and 12, man, F them picks. They, they have hardly any talent. Look at all these rookies. Look at all these young guys. It's like they had their quarterback, their star wide receiver, their star. Stud defensive tackle, all hurt. They all missed half the season, and now we're looking at them like they're bums, like they're five and twelve going forward. Like it just sometimes the last impression can mislead you when it comes to what happened last season for a team and what might happen this season. Yeah, I mean, you you can look at that and like when you mentioned the 
shortcomings of the Rams last year. It's like, that's pretty much, if you ever play Madden, like they always show you the three best players off to the right. Like that's one of those where if you're looking, they're off the board, it's like, I'm not touching them anymore. Like, no thanks. And you forget that, oh, well, they're going to have a full off season to recover and they are difference makers. Not like it's, oh, we got our second string wide receiver back. Like, Getting Cooper Cup back, and it's having Matthew Stafford back there, and Aaron Donald being the difference maker that he is. Uh, when I look around the NFL right now, the Colts are a great example of that. I feel like that, and I know he's a delicate conversation piece, but I think the Browns are often getting overlooked a bit mm, just because yeah. of, well, look at Deshaun Watson. This is what he is now. Like he took all that time off and had all the off the field stuff, and he's just going to be a bad quarterback now because he had a small sample size of games last year. I look at maybe there's an overreaction to the Chargers collapsing yet again in the postseason, and is Justin Herbert ever going to mm-hmm. really do it? Like, good one. They could definitely take a leap forward this year, but the the national conversation is, I what's think, the uh, last thing you did? I think ESPN was just talking about them when uh, <laughs> when in the division. They, they were, were they second. They were second oh, okay, on those okay. power rankings. Okay, okay. And he saw me, and the YouTube audience saw me when the segment started. I got up and I glanced at the far TV because it had a glare on it, but I knew it was the AFC West, and I just wanted to see what the old uh, football power index had for the division percentages they had the Chiefs at one but then they had the Chargers but anyway Chargers are a great example of that of a team that like that's the last thing you remember is them blowing a lead in the postseason getting bounced by the Jaguars when they should have been moving on and maybe you write them off now with these narratives uh, oh Justin Herbert just not the right guy how could they pay him all that money well yeah and that's the thing is I mean think about some teams that did really well yeah think about the Eagles I mean, some people make the Eagles who went 14-3 and three, were on the doorstep of winning it all. They've just got them like, oh, they're at worst a 13-14, and 14, right? It's like, I don't know, man. It's the NFL. Um, it's not a gauntlet in the NFC the way it is in the AFC. But when you've got the Cowboys and the Giants, who both made the playoffs, you've got Washington, who they didn't even have a losing record. No team in the NFC East had a losing record. So... I mean, that's not an easy division to navigate through. And things change from year to year. They lost both of their coordinators in Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon. They're both head coaches now. You know, so there's turnover there. Does Jalen Hurts take a step forward? Does he take a step backward? You know, are there a couple of injuries? Are they not blessed with the same injury luck? What if uh, Jason Kelsey, this might be his last season as a starter, as a a stud, soon-to-be Hall of Fame center, what if he gets nicked up? What if Lane Johnson gets nicked up? He hasn't given up in the sack in, in two years. What if the next guy up isn't Lane Johnson? You know, there's so many things that can change year to year. But based on what you just saw, you're like, oh, this is what they are going forward. A lot of times that changes. Not all the time, yeah. but a lot of times it does. I think for me, a team that we mentioned in my list, and I don't know how it's going to work out for them, but this is the first time in a long time that I feel like and some people might appreciate this because they're tired of hearing about him, but I feel like the Packers are an afterthought altogether within the NFC conversation. And I'm not saying that Jordan Love is going to be the answer. I mean, clearly, if I have that exercise and I'm picking them, I think he's going to be stable enough to help the Packers be competitive next year. But the thought is Rodgers is gone. Brush him to the side. Matt LaFleur, whatever. It's good. They don't need him. The NFC outside of the very top, and you already outlined why it might not go so swimmingly for the Eagles this year because the NFL is unpredictable, there's a lot of open opportunities in the NFC for the whole 50% flip 
to happen in terms of teams that Mm -hmm. didn't make the playoffs to make them next year. And just like the Lions are like the easy in vogue pick right now to lead that division, maybe it's the Packers. Maybe Justin Fields really is the real deal, and they squeak into the playoffs. The NFC is really fascinating with that conversation specifically. Yeah, the way I look at the Packers... I look at, they were 8-9 and nine with Aaron Rodgers. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so Jordan Love being a first-year starter with 83 career passing attempts in the NFL, I'm not expecting him to do better this season than even Aaron Rodgers did last season. Right. And he was not all-world. He took a, a dramatic step back. But you're talking about a reigning two-time MVP, like back-to-back MVP seasons leading up to last season, and then his numbers took a significant hit, Mm -hmm. not close to what we're used to. What is Jordan Love as a first-year starter going to do with so many young guys all over? They've got two rookie tight ends. They've got a rookie slot receiver. They've got second-year guys. These are all of his his passing options are first- or second-year guys. So I don't expect Jordan Love being that young to just hit the ground running with all those young guys around him. I think there are going to be some growing pains. But I think that the Packers, if you go based on reputation, think about this, Jimmy. Back-to-back MVP seasons for Aaron Rodgers Mm -hmm. leading into last season. They were a one seed leading into last season, right? And they missed the playoffs altogether. They were eight and nine. But that wasn't on your radar because you're thinking, oh, they've got Rodgers. Okay, they don't have Devontae Adams. That's going to hurt. But they should at least make the playoffs. They didn't. No. You know, and, and sometimes it's just based on what you last saw. You cling on to that too much instead of looking at what currently is the situation and what's more likely to happen and change. And I think that's part of the reason as well. The other side of that coin from the reason that the Packers ended up missing the playoffs is a lot of people look at the full body of work of the Lions, but that last impression is them going into Lambeau sure. and shutting the door on the Packers' playoff hopes in what was the last game of Aaron Rodgers' career as a Packer. Yeah. And by the way, while I'm looking at uh, pro football reference, off to the left, play Immaculate Grid. We, <laughs> hey! we were talking about this off-air right before the show began. And this is what, Jimmy, this is a big baseball thing, but it's trickled its way into football here? Yep. It has. There, there, there's other avenues for it. I think there's a ton of copycats, too. But, yes, it has gone into the NFL realm as well as the NBA, too. I've never played this before. How would you explain it? It's like a, a little grid. You've got nine guesses. It looks like a tic-tac-toe board is basically what it looks like. Yes, it, it does. So you have two columns, one on top and one to the left. And, for example, one on pro football reference is to the left, it's Broncos, Eagles, Bears. Yep. And up top it is Panthers, Browns, and a thousand yard rushing season. So Ooh. you'd have to do a player for the Panthers and the Broncos, a player for the Browns and the Broncos, and a thousand yard rusher for the Broncos. Eagles, Panthers, Eagles, Browns, Eagles, thousand yard rusher, Bears, Panthers, Bears, Browns, Bears, thousand yard rusher. <laughs> Holy cow. So th- that's pretty easy it's in terms of you just need a 1,000 yard rushing season. From the Browns, the Eagles, and the Bears? Is that correct? On on that on that far end column, yes, that's correct. Okay. Yep. And so this is obviously like a number of different players for each of those franchises. You could just go with any of them? Yes, as long as they... Uh, I believe, Eddie, correct me if I'm wrong on this. They have to have done it, though, while they were there. 
with you Chicago. Right, right. It, it yeah. can't be like they did it in Philadelphia, but they played for Chicago at a later date. It means they did it during their tenure with that team, correct? It's a good question. Because so you, I think it has I think it has to be done with that team. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine so. So like for the Bears, you just put Walter Payton. Yep. And that's that works. And another <laughs> another side game that people do as well. I'm not good enough in any of these to be able to do it, but a lot of people play for rarity score too. Okay. Like a side game. It's not actually counted, but like for instance, Walter Payton, uh, Bears thousand yard rusher, thirty one percent of players have guessed that. Some people might try to to pull one out that's like uh, a five percent or two okay. percent or one oh, percent okay. type deal. Well, that's good to know. Yep. Yeah, I don't want to be looked down upon <laughs> with the immaculate grid community. Like, oh, this guy goes with Walter Payton, thirty one percent. What a jackass he is. Okay, I get it. I understand. Okay. Very nice. Well, maybe I encourage you guys to play that. What I love about uh, Pro Football Reference also, when they show you, what is it, like 12 players, the headshots of about 12 players on the left-hand, like the top left-hand column, it's amazing how many times I look at that and I'm like, I have no idea who any of these people are. (laughs) And I, I love football. I am an NFL junkie. And it's amazing how many players, and you can like hover over the picture and it'll tell you the name. And I'm like, oh yeah, the the middle linebacker from the Broncos. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, but you don't really recognize them without a helmet on sometimes. (laughs) I always think that like, can we really not tell who they are with a helmet on? Do that. The pro football reference screenshot game. There are a lot of times you won't be able to tell. Do you think it would be... It would make players feel better if it was just their like headshot, but they had the helmet on instead. It's like, oh, that, yeah, of course, now I know that guy. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> I think they'd feel worse. Yeah, it's uh, that's funny, right there. Like they're courtside at a basketball game. They're like, who's that? And they just hey, here. Let me put my helmet on. Oh, it's uh, Quentin Nelson. I know who that is. <laughs> okay, we got a lot to do. I am. I'm doing crack research on running back numbers here, Jimmy. I got a tweet yesterday, and I'm not saying I turned red. I at least turned orange because I completely disagree with it. So a little bit of crack research on the way. I'm Brian. No, he's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian. No, he's Jimmy Cook. Here on the fan, you know, I'm, I'm just beginning my crack research over here, Jimmy. I, I'm just, you know, I have many more layers to go here, but I got a tweet, um, and, and shout out to this guy, Alec. He wrote in and just said, uh, the last Super Bowl champion to have a 1,000-yard rusher was the Patriots in 2016 with LeGarrette Blunt. Keep telling yourself running leads to winning, Brian. Eddie nailed it. By the way, is this Eddie Garrison's burner account? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> it just dawned on me. It might be the case. Not sure. But I, I'm like, listen, man, you go back to last season. Think about this, guys. You had Christian McCaffrey, who did a lot for that Niners offense. Their numbers the first six weeks were not great offensively. And then McCaffrey comes in there, and they – they greatly improve. You think about having Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy as a third string option. If you don't have Christian McCaffrey back there, that makes a big difference. 
And then the wheels fell off the tracks when Purdy goes down, Josh J- Johnson goes down, McCaffrey's playing quarterback. Like, just this, it's a lazy takeaway to me to be like, oh, uh, the last Super Bowl champion to rush for 1,000 yards, have a 1,000-yard rusher, Patriots with the LeGarrette Le- Blunt. It's like, you're telling me that Christian McCaffrey didn't make a big difference with the Niners last season? Think about Miles Sanders, who rushed for over 1,250 yards and 11 touchdowns last year. So if if you don't have defensive holding, it, like all of a sudden Miles Sanders is valuable, but you, you have defensive holding and he's not, he's a footnote and the stat lives on, like I think it's just a lazy takeaway. Think about Joe Mixon. You go back to when the Bengals previous season, they made it to the Super Bowl, rushed for over 1,200 yards, 13 touchdowns. That didn't matter just because they didn't win that game. Again, a defensive holding call toward the end. If a call doesn't go the Rams' way, the Bengals might win it, and the LeGarrette Blunt stat ends. I, I just think it's a, a lazy way to look at it. What's your takeaway on that? So I think it's lazy to look at it from a black-and-white standpoint of for running backs or for teams in general. Yes, everybody wants to win championships, but because quarterbacks are more important than running backs to winning like you know game by game, I don't find it necessary to have a good running back on my team, or I don't find it necessary to have a running back that is 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 competent and good at the position, or that can't make a difference or can't help you win games. I'll look at two examples of that: one personal and one last four years. Personal for me, I've lived everything Colts fans are living right now in terms of oh, our quarterback is trash. What's fun about this team? Jamal Charles was the answer to that for me. This is a fanboy take. I get it. He's one of the best, if not the best, running back. I have ever seen play the position. I understand that that is outlandish and there are other great names or if I take the fanboy hat off, I'm probably willing to concede. But that's how important Jamal Charles was to me as a Chiefs fan. Now granted, that was about a decade plus now ago, but that's how great he was and he mattered to winning games for that football team. Mm -hmm. Look more recently, just four seasons ago, the only reason that the Tennessee Titans were in an AFC championship game, and the only reason they were thought to maybe be able to best the Chiefs and get to a Super Bowl was to Derrick Henry. You see, well, it was because of Derrick Henry. You see it less and less in today's NFL, but there are still teams where if you don't have the fortune or the good gracious to have the quarterback situation figured out right now, you need to figure out other ways to win ball games, and running backs still matter to that. They still matter for the teams that have the quarterbacks too, but they especially matter for teams that have a right. subpar quarterback or an average quarterback under center. Completely. It's like, how are you going to move the ball? Yeah, <laughs> if, uh, think about the Giants last year. If they don't have Saquon Barkley rushing for over 1,200 yards, is it just like Danny Dimes, do your thing, baby? <laughs> Lead us to the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, what? I mean, he could run too. Come on now. <laughs> what, like, what are we doing? What What are we doing? There's a lot of teams that live in the margins of a wild card berth or maybe squeaking in with a division title because your division's bad that rely on positions outside of the quarterback. And, and it is the one thing I won't argue with anybody is it is true. More often than not, since I've been alive, if you have the best quarterback in the league, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, or the best quarterback in a playoff matchup, you're going to have a pretty strong chance to get the job done because Mm -hmm. that's just what the sport is. But if you're not that, you're relying on a great defense or you're relying on great position players and and an average to serviceable quarterback a la what the 49ers have kind of done the last five years. There's ways to win without the perfect 
next generation quarterback. It's a smaller margin, but running back does belong in that conversation. When was the last time, though? Denver? That they won? No, like a team that didn't have a top quarterback. It would be Denver. Uh, well, I mean, statistically, yes. I mean, Peyton is still, like, from, from a well, from the year, name standpoint, the year, but the yes, year they, correct. Yeah, the year the they won, he was, he was bad, yes. Um, I mean, you can't get around that. Yes, the year they won, he was not Peyton Manning. He was a shell of what he had been his entire career. The example of not a big-name quarterback would be, what, the Ravens with Flacco, probably? Well, yeah. Yeah, it would be. I'm looking at something here that's really interesting. This is crack research on the fly. But here, uh, th- going back to this stat of, what, since 2016, that was the last time a Super Bowl champion had a 1,000-yard rusher. That was LeGarrette Blunt. So if you think about this, I-, I could go back around that same time, even a couple of years prior to that. So I've got many 1,000-yard rushers that were not far away from winning the Super Bowl. They were actually in the Super Bowl. So think about last season. Think how close that game was between the Chiefs and Eagles. Miles Sanders rushed for over 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns. He easily could have gone the Eagles' way. Season prior, Joe Mixon, over 1,200 yards rushing, 13 touchdowns. It's a nail-biter against the Rams. Could have gone the Bengals' way. It didn't. You go back a couple of previous seasons. When the Rams lost to the Patriots. Remember that 13 to 3 ball game? Todd Gurley had over 1250 yards rushing, 17 touchdowns. <laughs> Give Belichick credit on that. He's like, "Oh, you like to run the wide zone play? Well, guess what? We're going to add an extra defensive lineman and you're screwed." That's right. You have Jared Goff. Thanks. I remember. Thanks, yeah. D Ford. Thank you. Yeah. Think about that going back to that same 2016 season, LeGarrette Blunt, Blunt, a 1000-yard rusher. Uh Devontae Freeman with the Falcons. He rushed for 1,079 yards, 11 touchdowns. If you kick a field goal, you win the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? So you had 1,000-yard rushers on both sides. Then two years prior to that, 2014 season, Marshawn Lynch, 1,306 yards rushing, 13 touchdowns. Why on earth they, they didn't give it to beast mode at the one hmm. and threw the ball is beyond me. And I think it was, was it first down that Russ? I don't know how Russ doesn't get They were feeling dangerous. That's what happened. Uh, what are you do? So, oh, Brian, but, yesterday. But, but, but if they run the ball in beast mode, he could have been the hero of that game. But mm-hmm. because they didn't, that's somehow an indictment on the running back position as a whole. It's just a lazy stat to make a bad argument about. So, yesterday I said uh, that running backs really don't impact winning. And you just made my point right there by listing all of those running backs with over a thousand yards rushing and what's it equal zero super bowl wins again like you're you're that's just such a hater comment right there because you know all of these games all of them the the eagles losing last season the Bengals losing to the rams the falcons 28 to 3 lead against the patriots Right, uh, theoretically, you, you, you look win at it beast then. mode. Beast mode. Why didn't they give him the ball? Is that beast mode's fault? Is it? Hey, beast mode, you want the ball? Now nah, let's throw it. It's on him. Like these games, all easily could have gone the way of these one thousand yard rushers. Easily, but they didn't. That's the point I'm trying so to then, make. Here. So then it leads to it doesn't lead to winning. Really? That's the, it's a bad takeaway. But if you're giving the guy the rock twenty times a game in the regular season, you get to that point. And the other team takes it away from you. You they have didn't nothing. take Beast Mode away. They I'm not saying. Beast I'm not away. saying they did. I'm not saying they did. I'm not specifically talking about him. And then you take the running game away in the Super Bowl because you have to play with your quarterback, 
it just proves my point that you cannot play through a running back and have a successful season resulting in a Super Bowl win. It's just... You. It's just fact. It is your burner account. No, no, it is just a fact. I have learned. It. I mean, look, no, no, like, I, Let, I, hey, hold on, Let, Jimmy. Let's you do this. Break? Yeah, break? All right. Let, let's let's revisit it. Okay. Yep. yep. Because we, we could go for channel. the next hour and yep. a half. Can we push uh, Schultzy back a little bit and just do another hour? <laughs> we got Chap coming up. Mike Chapel on the Colts. The latest on the Jonathan Taylor situation. A lot to dissect with that. And we will get back to the running back position. Eddie hating running backs far and wide garrison. <laughs> we'll fight against the uh, the forces of that. That's on the, in the uh, last hour coming up. I'm Brian. No, he's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. want to welcome in Mike Chappell talking some Colts. You know, before we talk some Colts, Chap, where are you on the boss? Are you a Springsteen uh, guy over there? Yeah, I went to the concert way back when. I'm guessing it was a Hoosier, still a Hoosier Dome when he was here, and it, that's been forever ago. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not a, uh, you know, stop what I'm doing and listen to everything, but I, I, I can take it in, in small doses, sure. <laughs> Did, didn't happen to be 1981, did it, Chep? Well, I thought it was later than that. But, <laughs> I, I asked because Todd Meyer had, had sent us a ticket stub today, and it was from 1981 at uh, Market Square Arena, so that's why I asked. Could, it could, could have been, could have been. Again, that's, you know, previous previous life of mine, so it's, <laughs> things get foggy. By, by the way, what is highest on your musical list, there, chap? What's the uh, musician or the band that you're most fond well, the of? Beatles. I, I'm a Beatles. I'm a when the, when the Colts went to uh, London. One of the only thing that, that mattered is is the wife when I went to Abbey Road, and I got my my picture taken. You know, walking across the crosswalk like every, every other idiot does. So, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a Beatles guy, and and then you know Bob Seger and and Mellencamp and. Brian Adams and Billy Joel. That's kind of my wheelhouse. Yeah, very cool, man. I, I learned something about you. Uh, anything going on with the Colts that's making major headlines? I don't know. Maybe something about a running back over there that I don't know about, Chap? Yeah, it's amazing that that with, with all the anticipated attention to be on the, the fourth overall pick in the draft, it's Jonathan Taylor, the situation kind of sucks the air out of everything else. So, and I, I don't see it changing anytime soon. Maybe, maybe it will, but I don't know. So until until the Taylor thing is resolved, it, it, you, they, they go about their business because they have to. But you're just waiting for something because I, I, again, I've always considered him their best player. Maybe DeForest Buckner would 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 argue. But when you've got your best, at least your best offensive player, standing there in a hoodie and just watching, it just sort of it just grabs your attention because how can it not? Chab, I know that as radio hosts, as reporters, as members of the media, we don't want to be a part of the story. We want to report on the story. But yesterday throughout the show, many a time I spoke about how there's nobody in this market that I trust more than you, especially when it comes to the Colts. When you're reporting on this as it goes, and you had your story on Fox59.com a couple days ago about them potentially putting Jonathan Taylor on the non-football injury list, and I know you had subsequently seen his tweet later, did you feel like he was coming after you? 
Oh, I, 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 I guess Stephen Holder and I both right. reported essentially the same thing. So I, I guess, but I, see, that's one of those whenever, whenever I'm looking on social media or whatever, Twitter, I'll call it Twitter until they, <laughs> you know, until, it go, until it yeah. goes away. Yeah. But it, I always consider the source, whether it's Rappaport or Schefter mm-hmm. or, or Field Yates, you know, guys that, that I truly trust. There's a bunch of guys out there that just throw muck on the wall and see, and, and, and to see if it sticks. And, and I, I, I keep that in mind. So uh, I, when I use my sources, I trust my sources, you know, <laughs> and and or, or else I or else I wouldn't or I wouldn't use a story start citing them. Uh, so whether which, whether it's a player, whether it's a coach, whether it's someone in the front office, whether it's a GM with another team, I was texting with a GM from another team the other night that I'm, I'm a good you know I'm, I'm close with. So I always consider the source. So. JT can he can he he can do what he wants. I tell you, he 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 can he can clear a lot of things up by talking. Mm-hmm. You know, right right now we're getting secondhand. We're getting the team's point of view on things, and his agent, which is serving in my mind, is serving nobody. Of course, it, it's serving nobody good when the owner and, and the agent are doing things public. It, it, it's great for us copy and it stirs interest and all that but it's it's not it is not helping the situation when the team and the agent is getting into this you know schoolyard spat it's not yeah but back back but back to the thing if i use something and i source it for whatever reason the person doesn't want his name i trust my source and that's why again i trust uh guys nationally and guys locally i shouldn't just say that guys locally uh that, that i trust but there's so many people out there that throw stuff out there, and it's just it's it's BS. Because normally we know locally kind of what's going on in the background and and the backstories, and then you see somebody report something. Well, my my friend says this, and it's, you just know it's complete BS. But too often, <laughs> it, it, it's it's re it, it, it's it's re- repeated. As if you know, well, you know, it has been reported that. Well, yeah, but look who reported it. So it, it, it's a bad situation. Social media now is really good and really bad because there's generally it's bad because there's no accountability. Man, Chap, I so want you to name names right now. Like, <laughs> who thinks that their job the most? You know, I know you're not going to go there, but that's I'm so yeah. curious about that. Uh, Mike Chapel joining us here on the fan. How about Jim Irsay? the way he's handled this JT situation, what's your view on it? Has it helped or hurt this whole it, dynamic? It's hurt. It's hurt. I, I think he, uh, he, he he really wants to get out and defend the team, defend his stance, and he makes good points. He does. But there's a reason that whenever we talk to Chris Ballard, Chris says, you know, you, you all know me. I'm not going to talk contracts. And it frustrates us. But that's the, that's the better way to go. Bill Pullian seldom talked contracts, and we got things then from agents who were more e- easier to work with at the time. Now it's really difficult to, to deal with most, most agents. But, you know, it, it doesn't help. It doesn't help to go public with anything. And that's why I say I, I, it, we need to have JT walk over to the, you know, to, the, to the media area one day and just talk. And, and then we're not – 
re, we're not trying to read body language, which is crazy. You know, people are well, he, he's standing back there, he's moping, he's got a bad attitude. How can you tell that? You, right. you can't just by looking at body language. And so it would really behoove him to talk, and and he, he could he could really address things. You know, he he refuted the the back issue as well. I I trust the person that told me that, and, and the fact that they had tests done and all this. So we'll see again. And, and then I saw before we came on the air that Ian Rappaport is reporting that there, there's getting to be more some interest in Taylor on a trade. Well, that's fine, but it's going to have to be something really good for the Colts to trade because they said they're not going to trade him. And you know, having said that, things change. And and to say, you know, I, I remember back in 2011 at training camp, Peyton Manning signed an extension, said it's great to be signed this and be a Colt for life. <laughs> and he never played for him again because of the neck issue. So <laughs> things change. Uh, I, I still, if I were a betting man, I used to be with Robin Miller, and then I got cured because I got tired of losing. <laughs> I, I I think I, I, I would think J.T. Is ready for the season opener here because barring you know without a trade, he has no options. His options to play and get paid or don't don't play, which I can't imagine turning away from four million dollars. Chap, from what you've seen from afar with how Jonathan Taylor's agent and his representation group at First Round Management, from how you've seen them operate and act to this point like the rest of us have i know that their their primary background has been representing mma fighters or, or, or just different fighters in that realm does it feel like he he's out of his element with this or, or or being unorthodox to a point that it might cause more harm to taylor than good well he certainly changed taylor's mind now i i i, I don't know how what the inner workings were of JT changing agents because go back when we talked to him and whether it was in January after the season or in April I don't remember but he was you know hey I, I put pen to paper uh, I signed the contract I, I'd like an extension but I put pen to paper and, and I signed for four years and that's where we're at he changes agents and now it's it's 180 degrees different you know he he, he, he wants an extension and and if it was reasonable, I would give him an extension. I just would. You know, the, the the word reasonable is anybody's guess what that is. But, you know, the bottom line is the team's not giving giving an extension. They'll talk to him in the offseason, next offseason, and they've made it clear that they won't trade it. They have no immediate plans to trade him. So, like I say, it's 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 things really took a different turn when he switched agents. Now, whether he – Obviously, wasn't happy with his previous guy for not being whatever more proactive, and and I don't know that in the background. I just don't know, but something wasn't right because he changed agents, and now he he's taken the more aggressive stance, and that's totally different from the, from how we've dealt with him in the past. But this is a totally different situation. Uh, we've talked in the press room. It, to me, this is a case where neither side is wrong. Mm. You know, each side's got very, very valid points. And that sometimes makes it really hard to resolve when you really believe you're right and you sort of are right, but the other team or the other side just isn't buying into it. So, again, it, it's it's just dominating 
the attention out there. Then, then it gets magnified when when Zach Moss breaks his arm mm-hmm. yesterday in practice, and somebody mentioned asked, "Well, you think that's going to give Taylor more leverage?" And I no, <laughs> no, mm-hmm. his is his own little you know situation and world, and and I'm kind of curious how it's going to wind up. But the next, it seems like the next step is Taylor's, unless the Colts follow through and, and do the non-football injury, and that's sort of amping things up another level if they do that. But, you know, we'll see where this thing goes. You know, Chap, that's where I wanted to go with you. Mike Chappell with his Fox 59 CBS 4. Um, when you report on something that could – the back injury, right – and it, it could lead to potentially the NFI list and could potentially affect Jonathan Taylor's money, I know you take that seriously. And so I'm not asking you who your sources are, obviously, but what is the process like when you vet out a report like that that has to be accurate when it has that type of importance attached to it? Well, they, you know, the, 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 the source certainly wanted – the information out there, and again, you, you 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 have to consider who's telling you what, and are they reliable? And in this case, I said yes, it, it is reliable. This person is reliable. And but then, but then when Taylor comes back and says, you know, no back pain, you know, or whatever the second part was, he never reported back pain. Well, the, it, it, the bottom line is the team has to have some documentation if he if he showed up you know pre-camp and they went through the the physical and and he said i've got a back issue you know my my back's bothering me and maybe they do an mri or whatever on it well it's it's got to be documented they they document everything so at at some level it, it should be easy to prove or disprove and that's where if it ever gets to that point it's probably going to involve a grievance with the, with the players' union, and then you know the NFLPA gets involved, and then and then it gets it gets really 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 messy. So um, you know, I, I I think the team would prefer not to do the NFI. And one thing to keep in mind, you can pay players on non football injury. You can, but also you you don't have to. Mm. And, and a lot of times when these things get, you know, it's almost toxic. I guess we're not there yet. But the person, the, the side with leverage, uses that leverage because that's, you know, because the other side's going to use leverage when they got it. And that's why I say with, with JT, there's not a lot. The only leverage a player generally has is to withhold services. Mm-hmm. That's what Josh Jacobs is doing in Vegas. You know, he's, he, he's not a camp. Uh, what the difference is JT's got a contract. And that, that's People should should never put JT in the same boat with Saquon Barkley or Josh Jacobs or Tony Pollard because th- those guys are franchised. JT's got a contract, which, which makes it totally different. So, you know, it, it, it's it's like I said, I keep saying that the, the next step needs needs to be JT, unless the team would, would take the step of going NFI, and that's when I'm sure there'll be a grievance. And it's so difficult to me dicey when when a when a team because a team can't make a player practice the player is oh, you know this hurts my ankle my back my shoulder whatever and the team says now you're fine well you know that you can't do that that that's where you get third parties involved and that's when things really 
might get toxic. I think back in the day with Eric Dickerson, where he had hamstrings or something and didn't and it they 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 suspended him for conduct detrimental to the team. And man, you don't want to go there because then that may be a bridge too far. Well, but hey, chap. Go ahead, man. Finish your last point. I'm sorry. No, I get it. And if we get to that part, I don't know how. I think that, like I said, it's a bridge too far. We're not there yet, but you can see the bridge. No, I hear you, man. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to jump in beforehand. Sorry. But, hey, good stuff, chap. Uh, we covered a lot of uh, ground here, and I have uh, we'll see, we'll newfound knowledge. Yeah, newfound knowledge of your Beatles love, your Abbey Road <laughs> picture. So this is good, man. Go. Yeah, thanks for thanks. being on today. That sounds good. Keep in touch, guys. Thanks, Chad. All right, for sure. There he is, Mike Chappell, Fox 59, CBS 4. Yeah, man, it's a wild scenario. I also think this, there are a lot of layers from that, a lot of stuff to dive in with what Chap was just talking about. But um, this, uh, this goes back to our conversation to start the show with Mo Ali Cox, you know, Colts yeah. tight end, where I was asking if things felt any bit weird. With the contract situation, there have been reports about, oh, it's really awkward. And all. And he's like, no. <laughs> you know, so I think both things can be true. Yeah. I think if you're in the media that's basically on the outside looking in and you're observing this and you're like, man, this is really awkward. My nephew, Minnie Matt, my older nephew, when he was a little kid, Jimmy, he used to say, awkward. <laughs> <laughs> so I can see reporting on the Colts, being at camp and saying, man, things feel really off it feels weird i don't think that's wrong but i also think the team could have a different sense where they're like yeah jt's just got his contract thing going on it's more par for the course if you're on the inside you know like contract situations happen a lot so it might not be as awkward i think both things can be true i think they both can be true during this portion of the calendar year in the NFL, which Good is point. training camp, which is in the preseason. Yeah. If I was a player for the Colts and let's just say I'm on the offensive side of the ball and we're kind of getting our teeth kicked in to some extent, I'm not talking about like where Richardson's development is at. I'm just talking about week in, week out in the National Football League. And yes, he's my brother, but also he's under contract this year. Why is he not out here with us? Mm-hmm. I think that can increase the level of awkwardness when we're actually into the part of the season where games really matter and the time really matters right now I don't want to call it like pro day level environment because I know it's more serious than that but right now it really is getting yourself ready to go for the start of the season and it's okay to see him out there on the sidelines but if he has a helmet on and he's taking the Matt Forte approach and not playing or something like that I I don't know how well that glosses over if I'm a teammate of Jonathan Taylor's. Brian I think it's an interesting point that Jimmy brings this up because like in Baltimore right now you've got uh, Lamar Jackson like outwardly speaking about how J.K. Dobbins is a uh, an important piece to their offense because a certain amount of things like he sparks the offense sometimes if we're struggling to move but like he's missed more games that he's played and right now the Colts don't have I haven't heard a Colts player yet really outwardly speak about how the franchise needs to pay Jonathan Taylor whether that's on social media or in these uh, press conferences that they're doing after training camp practice no that's hey listen man it's an important point because I'm just thinking about what could change the perspective shifting about how running backs are viewed all you hear are running backs saying how running backs should be paid more what if a top quarterback says yo like this is unacceptable you know what i mean like that could help 
I don't yeah. know that it's going to cure everything, but it could help things. It's the power of a referral. You know, if you're trying out for a job and you're like, oh, man, I bring a lot to the table, it's just like falls on deaf ears. Yeah. But if you've got somebody else that you got to take a look at this guy, this guy is a grinder. It just lands differently. So, yeah, maybe if these top quarterbacks would champion for the running backs, it could help. It absolutely could help. I will say Jeff Schwartz yesterday is the only example you need that there are most definitely players in the locker rooms where this is happening, particularly if you're a player that's still under contract like Jonathan Taylor, where at some point, and it might not be now, but it'll be once the regular season starts, do your job. Like that—that that, that is that is a strong former player mentality from Jeff Schwartz yesterday. That's how a lot of guys, particularly those that are on the offensive line that are kind of in synergy with a running back to begin with, there's no way those thoughts those thoughts are not in your head if you are still have a year on your contract and you're holding out because. Like it or not, from a perception standpoint, it's fine now because I get it. It's a leverage play and you're trying to fight for what's yours. But if it's clear the Colts are missing a step and they would be a step above without Jonathan Taylor and I'm one of his teammates out there, it's hard for a do your job like mentality to not pop into my head. Yeah. Hey, I hear you. And you laid it out. Your first point was it lands a lot differently in training camp than if we just got our teeth kicked in in week three. And it's like, man, where's GT at? What was we could really use the guy, <laughs> right? It's way different at that stage. How about this also, where Chap was talking about it doesn't help to go public with anything. That's what I think about Jim Mersey. It hasn't helped the situation at all with the tweeting or the talking. Yep. And no one's going to miss JT. It's only made things worse. I also think this too, Jimmy, is if sometimes you're too close to the team you root for the most or the team you cover the most, which is the Colts. So just think about this. If instead of Ursay doing all of this in the JT situation, what would you think as a diehard Colts fan listening in this area if the Giants did the same thing? You know, if it was John Mara tweeting exactly what Ursay tweeted about, we got a CBA, deal with it, running backs. And then, hey, no one's going to miss Saquon Barkley when he's out of the league. And like all of those statements. What if the Giants did all of those things? I think from a Colts perspective, you'd be looking at that like, that's stupid. That hasn't helped at all. But sometimes when it's your team, it might cloud how you look at stuff. We had another conversation, you, me, and Eddie, about a similar thing of the team goggles kind of blind you to the rest of what would happen if it was on a different team, whether it's this scenario with Jonathan Taylor. I can't remember the other one. It might have been about uh, the draft process and like drafting quarterbacks. But whatever it was, it was that same thing where you're so close to the fire that you're you're not willing to, to try to look elsewhere and get perspective on it. And for a Colts fan, if you're being like most team-driven fans are, your first instinct is to look at Jim Irsay and say, yeah, he's he's – doing the right things here. He's trying to make a hard stance and he's defending the rest of the team. Whereas you zoom out nationally and it's like, what? what is this guy doing? Why does he continue to... I'm sure he thinks that it was damage control. The comments that he made about if he died and Jonathan Taylor was out of the league. <laughs> I, I guarantee you that's a, that's that, that'll ease it. You talk about massaging things over. I guarantee you that was a thought process of this will this will calm down a little bit. No, it's going to fan the flames, Jim. That's what it's yeah. going to do. Absolutely it is. Now, think about this, too. Let's do a, a Colts-Giants thing again. What are the chances? Remember Saquon Barkley when he, he didn't get a long-term deal, right? And he was thinking about holding out. 
This is what was in his head at the time on the Money Money Matters podcast. This is my leverage. My leverage is I can say F- you to the Giants. I can say F- you to my teammates and be like, you want me to show you my worth? You want to show you how much how valuable I am to the team? I won't show up. I right. won't play down. And that's a that's a play I can use. Okay, that's in his head. That's a card I could play. What do you think the chances are? Of Jonathan Ta- uh, of uh, Saquon Barkley signing that one-year deal. Remember, he got about $900,000 in incentives. What do you think the chances are that he reverses course from those thoughts and says, nah, never mind, I- I'll sign the one-year deal and ball out? What do you think the chances are of him doing that if Giants ownership has said and tweeted and done exactly <laughs> what Jim Irsay has done? Right, that's in Saquon said, I could just sit out. That's my leverage. And then... John Mara is like, hey, we got a CBA, tough running backs. We're not paying you any more money, <laughs> right? And then there's a, a comment of, hey, no one's going to miss Saquon when he's out of the league. And Do you think that Saquon has agreed to a one-year deal with all of that being equal? Hell no, he's not. There's no chance he would, but there's one important detail that you're leaving out, Brian. If Giants ownership had a yacht bus, maybe that solves yeah. everything. Maybe, maybe, maybe at that point, an hour in the yacht bus, you're able to just, you know, f- figure things out and be friends again, shake hands afterwards. <laughs> maybe, because it certainly worked out for the Colts. <laughs> it's not that first yacht bus visit that gets you. It's the second one. The second yeah. one is the one that really is is a deal sealer for certain. Sucker for that second trip. <laughs> I get it, no doubt. All right, coming up next, we argue against the forces known as Eddie Garrison, who is just taking a hard-line stance against. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Running backs in their good name. We'll get to that coming up. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. You know, Eddie, uh, before we dive into you railing against running backs, I just want you to know I love you. I just want you to know that nothing that happens in this segment will derail my love for you. I might yell at you. I might call you names. I don't even know where this is going. Well, it can't be worse than calling me Eddie Garcia. So, <laughs> By the way, Jimmy, last week, so I work with a guy named Eddie Garcia. And so uh, Eddie, midway through the week, he set the over-under at three and a half that I would mistakenly call him Eddie Garcia. This I got was to after three. he did it twice I in did the it first twice. two oh, days. Man. Yeah. So the, the line was set on Tuesday. Yeah, and I barely made it. I didn't hit the over, so what, luckily. What would have happened if you would have said over under two and a half for calling you somebody else, like throwing out the Jimmy Eddie thing that Brian sometimes does every now and again? Oh, uh, well, what we would, didn't have any of that. Didn't have any of that? That's no, good. That's no. a perfect score. Look at you. I, I blame you guys, okay? like <laughs> One of you needs to drop the E at the end. You know, it's either Ed or Jim. You know, we can have one well, E at the end. It's well, either a, Jimmy and Ed or Eddie and Jim. I, have an I, have I know, end, but so. the E sound. The, the E I sound. I, I should have. I was being. <laughs> but here's the it's, problem. If you, it, you don't if spell you call it like Jimmy Johnson. Huh? I don't know. If you call me Ed, I feel like I'm 60. I feel like I'm a lot older than when Ed I would Ed Garrison, be. it does sound more distinct. And if you call me Jim, I feel like I'm a, I'm a character in a small town book. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, two different Jimmy Johnsons. The Dallas Cowboys head coach yep. spells it like you. Yep. With the Y, Jimmy Johnson, the uh, NASCAR driver. 
And IndyCar driver. Yes. IE. Right there. Okay. All right. We're we're, uh, two kumbaya here. Let's start arguing and throwing figurative haymakers. Fisticuffs. Now, let me know your bad point on running backs here, Eddie. What is it? Where do you stand exactly? So earlier, when you were talking about all these Super Bowl winners Uh and all these Super Bowl losses. Yeah. And the winners, you're not talking about the running backs at all. There is one one game play r- running back that I can make the exception for of impacting a win or a loss, and that's the Marshawn Lynch play at the goal line where they don't give him the ball and they throw the pick to Malcolm Butler. That's the only time I can give you any credit. I was like, hey, these guys can help you win. But when you get to the Super Bowl and you have a back who rushes for over 1,000 yards and he's a main part of your offense and he is removed from the equation – you can. It just proves my point that the reason why you can't build your offense around a running back is that exact reason. Because once he's removed, you don't know how to win. Did you just break something over there? I dropped my pen. Oh, was it in secondly, anger? It was not. It was not. secondly. All those plays you listed earlier, other than the Marshawn Lynch play, did not involve the running back. You're not talking to yourself and looking back on on the game like, oh, uh, you know, if they handed Devontae Freeman the ball here on second and eight and he runs for a touchdown, like, no, you're not you're not looking at the game. It's like, oh, if I gave the running back the ball here or if the running back did this, then it's a different outcome. You're just not doing it. I, I don't know where to begin, Jimmy. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, are we a tag team? Are we both combating so, the evil forces here? Or I don't know where you stand on this. So I stand with it that I agree with half of Eddie's oh, point. Middle man. Middle I am. Man. I'm sorry. Because like I look at running backs in today's NFL, and I am not signing one with the thought process that that is going to make or break my chances to win a Super Bowl. Bingo. But as I told Eddie during the break, yes, Generically speaking, every Yay Rock coach within the National Football League wants to win a Super Bowl. But there are clear levels of expectations, of legitimate expectations, for how far your team can go. Some teams are fringe playoff teams. Some teams are division winners. Some teams are just out of nowhere, like Brian said, like overlooked, and then they make the leap. And if you're one of those teams that does not have the surefire potential Hall of Fame quarterback under center, you have to find other ways to win. So game by game, week by week, yes, running backs matter to winning and losing. But is it the total difference maker? Like, I have to have a good one to win a Super Bowl? No, I don't view it that way. I think there's more layers to this than just running backs are only good if they're the sole reason I win a Super Bowl. Right. It's uh, you know what I've noticed here, guys, is that uh, the running back naysayers they are sly goalpost movers. That's really what it boils what? down. To. Yes, that's that's what it boils down to. Because <laughs> as soon as they will say something like running backs don't lead to r- winning, and then you challenge that point, you give many examples as, as to why they'll slyly move the goalpost and be like. Well, is it the difference between winning it all? Who's the last guy? And it's like, what are you talking about here? So if you don't win a championship with a 1,000-yard running back, that means that no running back is valuable, no running back impacts winning and losing? I never said that, though. I know, but I'm going back to the tweet. Let me read the tweet again here. (laughs) This guy is going. 
I don't Z- know if this is Eddie's burner or not, but this is Z- our guy, Alec. And props to him for tweeting. This. I really wish it was Eddie's burner because it would be a very oh. intricate plot twist to the show. Man, I, right? I, I don't think it is, but it'd be hilarious. If it yeah. Was. Alec checked in yesterday and I was seeing red, Jimmy. I was seeing red. <laughs> Uh, the last Super Bowl champion to have a 1,000-yard rusher was the Patriots in 2016 with LeGarrette Blunt. Keep telling – this is where it gets snotty. Keep telling yourself running leads to winning, Brian. <laughs> Eddie nailed it. Now, the last part leads me to believe this could be uh, Eddie's burner. It, it, it might be. I, I half believe that. But, what did you say the name on this account was? Alec. Hey, Alec, do me a favor if you're listening by chance. Tweet at Brian again. Doesn't matter what it is, but put at the <laughs> end, this is definitely not Eddie. Just for just for the just for the mind games of it. <laughs> Maybe a winky face but, emoji in there somewhere too. But the the thing here is the last champion with a one thousand yard rusher was Legarrett Blunt. Keep telling yourself running leads to winning. Jimmy and Eddie. I gave you a list of a thousand yard rushers left and right on the doorstep of yeah. a Super Bowl. But they in didn't win the it. Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl. Marshawn Lynch, the twenty fourteen season, thirteen hundred plus yards rushing, thirteen touchdowns, had a great game against the Patriots in the Super Bowl, rushed for hundred and two yards. Could have been Super Bowl MVP. Like Pete, Daryl Bevel, give him the ball. <laughs> give him the ball. You have any money on that game? I actually did on the Patriots. <laughs> I won thanks to their idiocy there. It helped me out. I won 150 bucks off my guy David Gascon on that uh, <laughs> co-worker there. Uh, so that was beautiful, but it was, it was football malpractice. And for someone to gloss over that fact and be like, eh, shrug my shoulders, LeGarrette's the last 1,000-yard rusher. Therefore, what? It doesn't matter? It doesn't impact winning? That's freaking crazy. Well, it th- makes no sense. This is why my larger conversation about how, and I understand that quarterbacks definitively impact the game more than any other position, but this is why I get upset when people look at like individual players and say, well, look at their win-loss record. It's like, okay, so, right. so they can't be good players without like just having a pristine, no-blemish right. win-loss record to it. It, it is a team sport for a number of different reasons. And the other example that you used, Brian, and me and Eddie were kind of going back and forth on it, was the Falcons-Patriots. It's not the Falcons running back core's fault that Kyle Shanahan decided, hey, you know what? We're going to keep passing the ball up four scores, whatever it was. Like it, it just It's situational. Sometimes coaches make dumb mistakes. Sometimes it is a game of margins, but it doesn't solely – you're right, it doesn't solely go on the running back because – a holding call happened or a, right. a, a bad coaching decision was made. <laughs> it's crazy. The last two Super Bowls, there have been like defensive holding penalties that have changed the course of the game. And some would argue the outcome. That 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 can't be proven for sure. But you go back last year, it was on James Bradbury, the defensive holding call. So that game shifted on a defensive holding call. Right? Who knows what happens if... The nah, Chiefs that, had him on the ropes. It was, it was fine. But, but that penalty, <laughs> that's third down. That swung right. everything. Oh, and yeah. I'm, we're not getting into whether it was the right call or not. It's just that swung everything. Yeah. Colts ran out the clock, kicked the field goal. Chiefs did, that's okay. <laughs> uh, who did I say? You said the Colts, which Colts. is hilarious, but that's fine. I, I'm just uh, prognosticating Matt Ryan to, uh, resurrection. No, it was a 2037 <laughs> prediction. You know, I'm just seeing the future over Man, there. can you so, imagine the contract extension Jonathan Taylor would have gotten if they were Super Bowl <laughs> champions last year? Man, well, running backs goodness. don't matter. You'd probably, you know, you would have owed them somehow is, a, is what would have happened. But, no, um, 
so the defensive holding call last yeah. last Super Bowl. Um, and the defensive hold, I think it was defensive holding, right? Remember against the uh, Bengals? It was against their was linebacker. It, was, okay, it was. that's right. It was linebacker. Logan Wilson. Yep. Yeah, Logan yep. Wilson was called for, I believe it was defensive holding. It was either that or P.I. I can't remember. But it was a, a ticky-tack call. On a wide receiver. And it led to the Rams keeping the drive alive and winning the Super Bowl. So if for not those penalties... And some people don't like the if game. The if game matters if the takeaway is running backs don't affect wins and losses. LeGarrette Blunt's the last 1,000-yard rusher on a Super Bowl winning team. If that's the takeaway, the what if game matters. Where these pet, these games shifted on calls. If you don't have those calls, you're looking at this way differently? Are you serious? It, it shouldn't have to be flip-flop for you to look at it differently and realize the Eagles and the Bengals are on the doorstep of winning a Super Bowl with 1,200-yard rushers. The, right? Like, how could you say it doesn't impact wins but at you're all? Not, but you're not winning the Super Bowl because of a running back. Is the no whole one point. said you are. Like, that's, that's just the, a crazy point. That's, that's the like, whole point I'm making here. Who, who comes out and says... The sky isn't blue. Like, you're making this argument as if people are raging against that. Like, that's such an obvious point. We know quarterbacks mean more. We know wide receivers, Ed Rutgers mean more. That doesn't mean, therefore, running backs mean nothing the, and don't affect winning at all. The better argument, I think, and you're, you're in your zone right now, so maybe I'm going to get some of Eddie's ire here and I'm not, not looking forward to it, but the better argument in my mind about running backs is not the thousand-yard rusher point and it is not the do they matter in winning and losing Losing, the better argument that is pro team and anti running back is you see teams and Miles Sanders falls in that example that have effective offenses with running backs that they're not paying an arm and a leg for, which goes back to the whole reason why I agree with you, Brian, that the salaries are far too low to where they should be. But why teams have gone to the extreme of and eh, we don't need to pay a running back is because they've seen teams over the years find ways to do it without breaking the bank at that position. Doesn't mean sure. the position doesn't matter, but those are two different conversations. My hey. conversation is you don't need to pay them. They still matter to winning and losing. Eddie's is they don't matter to winning and losing. Right. Well, that's the thing. T- take a home, right? Let's say you're on a budget and you're going to fix certain parts of your home. You're going to pinpoint the kitchen. Hey, let's work on the deck. We want to have a nice area for the grill, whatever. And, and you, you prioritize these certain things and then, like, lower on the list is something like, uh, I don't know, the upstairs bedroom. It doesn't mean the upstairs bedroom doesn't matter. It doesn't mean if, like, windows are oh, lower man. on the list, like, we don't have to replace the curtains or the blinds. Like, as if, what, it doesn't matter anymore? Of course it matters. Like, right? Like, I need, I need a fan-made version of Love It or List It where they're like, hey, listen, okay, we, we, we can't we can't splurge on Jonathan Taylor here, okay? We've, we've, we've already helped your security system and the interior walls of your offensive line. We've given too much money there. We, we can't afford. We got to, I'm sorry, we can't give you that on your wish list. I apologize. But you know what I'm saying. Yes, yes I do. Yeah. Is there are certain things like quarterbacks, quarterbacks, Corners, edge rushers that are going to take precedence. I get that. You're going to value those positions more, as you should. But to then say running backs don't affects, uh, affect wins and losses, that's just its factually untrue. It's not even an, an opinion. It's factually incorrect. I need a, a, a version of this game now because if you had a love it or list it for position players, like if you had the option to 
take Jonathan Taylor. Like if you're an NFL team right now, the option of loving it is paying Jonathan Taylor or listing it is going to find a running back elsewhere. Right. The modern NFL mind is you're going to list it. You're going to go find elsewhere. You're right. You're right. But again, that's the crazy nuanced yeah. twist. Yeah. Even though you're going to list it, it still impacts wins and it losses. Does. It it's does. just yes. there's a hard salary cap. You can't pay everybody. You right. got to prioritize. But because teams have prioritized other positions, some people have this takeaway as if running backs don't matter at all. And that's freaking insane. Again, look at the amount of touches. If they didn't matter, they'd be getting 10% of the touches, 15% of the touches. Well, nobody touches the ball more than them. We learned that yesterday, right? I mean, nobody. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is Derrick Henry's terrible argument. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Saquon, yeah. Saquon had, what, 41% of the touches? Their usage rate would be, like, Totally on the ground. Absolutely. If it wasn't that they weren't valuable to Ab- the teams. Absolutely. And so that's Najee Harris. He's right. They're only devalued at the negotiating table. If they are valued in terms of their production, their touches, their part of the game plan, all of that is true. They still are. Nope. <laughs> Yet the takeaways, oh, they don't affect wins and losses. Why would they be the focal point at times in terms of the overall touches if they didn't impact winning. What, you're then saying they're hustling backwards. Teams are like, hey, I got a good idea how we can lose. Let's just give the running back a bunch of touches. Boom, presto, lots of losses. Like, really? You think that's what's happening? No. I'm fired up. Goodness, I know you I'm are. fired up. You're ready. You're, you're ready to go another 12 rounds. <laughs> Sometimes I just need to take a breath. You know, I just... It happens. It happens. I feel like life. you. I feel like you needed that though. I feel like that was very therapeutic for you just there. I think. I think even though you promised Eddie you were still going to love him at the end of the segment, that you also maybe he might send you an invoice for the uh, for the therapy charge there. Eddie's just grinning, like I got him. I, I, I've wired him up. I'm like a cat. He just gave me a bunch of catnip, and I'm just bouncing <laughs> off the walls. Eddie's looking at it like he's got his camera recording me. You know, that's what's happening. Here. <laughs> Okay, coming up next, we close it down in style. A change I am not fond of, a tweet I don't understand, and we've got some winning picks. That all on the way. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. All right, when the NBA Finals roll around next year, Jimmy, we're going to have a new commentating crew. So it's going to be Mike Breen. Then you're going to have Doris Burke. And Doc Rivers, that's the new team. That's the new A team. And no more Jeff Van Gundy. He was a a cap casualty, if you will, (laughs) with ESPN (laughs) cutting back. And now Mark Jackson is like, I'm out of here. Or else they said, you're out of here. I don't know which happened, but he's gone. That was a very trendy thing. This finals was to talk trash about JVG and Mark Jackson. I love those guys. I thought they were a tremendous trio together. I will say... It, it was it was trendy in the public eye this year, but I, I've heard people lament about Van Gundy's rants. And, oh, I love it. Uh, to be clear, his rules changes were the best. To be clear, I'm not <laughs> I'm not in that camp. Like at minimum, if I if I was with people that didn't like him, he was a guilty pleasure for me. And like I don't know, just 
Hand down, man down, mama. There goes that man. Little Mark Jackson, man, yeah. have this dance. I, I I loved it. I loved the whole crew. Um, that said, you know, I've enjoyed seeing Doris Burke's entire journey to this point. Like, I'm, I'm happy for her. Um, Doc yeah. Rivers is like top 10 coach voice, though. So I'm hopeful that like man. he can retain the, uh, the volume on his voice for the entire NBA season. But yeah, it stunk. It, I was curious to see what it would look like with just Mark Jackson and a new face. The fact they went... Total rip yeah. band-aid, Mike bringing new partners. It's it's going to be weird. Yeah, and listen, I've been a Doris Burke fan for a long time. She does a great job, and uh, she knows her stuff. She's easy to listen to, and she doesn't try to go over the top proving she knows what she's talking about. She just has this confidence. So I really like Doris Burke. Doc Rivers, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It could be good. It could be fun. I like the raspy voice. But, man, that's hard. Like, you go from – Jeff Van Gundy was there for 16, 17 years or so. Uh, Mark Jackson around 15. Like, that's a long time. There are a lot of reps. There's a lot of polish. And so you might look at the previous crew a little bit differently if Doc sounds like he hasn't had half the reps, which he hasn't, you know? Um, Also this, there's a tweet I don't understand at all. Taylor Swift. Get in the car. It's August. I don't know what that means. It's got a, thousand, a million likes, Jimmy. I feel like I'm in the dark. I don't know if that's a song reference. I don't know what the tie-in is right there, but it, get in the car. It's August. So I told you as well that I didn't have a clue either. Um, for, for what it's worth, uh, there is a song called August that has the line, get in the car hmm. uh, by Taylor Swift. So there you go. That is, so that she's is, that shouting is herself out? That is Swifties, or in this case, Taylor Swift, uh, Having a play on her own song. Yep. Is that sort of going third person on Twitter? <laughs> Just to cite your own lyrics? That's Is a that... good question. I don't know. That's pretty close. I, it, it, it's, it's towing the line at minimum. I, I'm willing to give a pass. Uh, at minimum, it is it is self-promotion of the highest order. At, at a minimum. By the way, before you, uh, you, know, you possibly give away hundreds or thousands of dollars with your picks here, I found this uh, to stand out. So th- it's been reported that the NBA expressed dismay toward Jeff Van Gundy repeatedly criticizing its rules and officiating. And so that could have led to the worldwide leader saying, you know, we like having NBA games on our network. We got a contract negotiation coming up here pretty soon. So how about that if the... The weak NBA is like, we don't like this criticism. Shame on them if that's really what happened. Yeah, I, I'm blanking for some reason, and I know you're going to say it. I'm going to remember it. But um, who's, the, who's the lead official that they bring in for the NBA whenever oh, they pan over? Uh, <laughs> that yeah, dude is yeah, horrible. Yeah. Huh? No, he's not that bad. It's uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't anyway, say it. Like, like it, my argument against that is that like I appreciate both perspectives. <laughs> yes. Usually that guy, like it's Mike Pereira for, for NFL games right. often, or Terry Francona. Like when you have those type of angles, it's always a meat shield of like, oh, I, I the official, I see why they did it there. Or if they guess the other way, it's like, well, I didn't initially see it that way, but now that I'm looking closer, it's pretty clear. I, like, it's always just a defense of the officials. I liked the balance. I liked Van Gundy calling it like it was, though I will concede that at times it... it I, okay, Jeff, let, let's enough. Please give it a quarter before we bring up a new call. Please. I just love when they, they bring in the guy to sort of say, all right, here's what's going on, and here's the deal. And, and then Jeff Van Gundy's like, I don't agree with any of that. <laughs> I don't agree with a word of that. 
Uh, yeah, I thought it was funny. Okay, let's earn some money. Let's dive into this. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a f- athlete. This is my f- way. This is how I win. Today's Plays of the Day, we're going to take the Tampa Bay Rays to one of the money line over the New York Yankees. <laughs> we're also going to take a similar flow from yesterday's bets. Going to head to Cincinnati Reds to one of the money line over the Chicago Cubs. And another Eesh. pick that I was given into my mind by Brian, but I can't find it on the sports books, probably because it's deadline day. Uh, give me the Dodgers minus one and a half over the mm. Oakland Athletics today. But again, that play's not out there right now. Two and two yesterday. Two and two for the week. Eddie, you have anything? Uh, you know what? How dare you just uh, speed through that without a legendary intro? He's got to have the legendary <laughs> oh, I intro. Forgot. Two and zero oh yesterday. I I you know, and there's a reason why. There's a reason why. Everybody, stop what you're freaking doing right now. There are picks that you need to pay attention to if you're a gambler. If you're not a gambler, begin gambling right now, right this second. It's Eddie Garrison's plays of the day. We're going with the Chicago Cubs in the first five. We're going minus a half a run. I do not like the matchup of Justin Steele on the mound against the Cincinnati Reds offense. And I will take a no-run first inning bet. Ooh, nerfy. I will take the nerfy in Minnesota, St. Louis. Pablo Lopez on the mound for the Twins and the stash, Miles. Michaelis on the mound for the Redbirds. The Lizard King. Because he, uh, he ate a lizard in minor league ball. This is Eddie's last wins of the week, I guess, because we don't have Brian the rest of the week. So that's, that's watch, my understanding. Just watch the record deteriorate. <laughs> I'm telling you. I don't know if you want me to record something in the can and like that would be a makeshift nah, thing. I, I, much like running backs, you don't matter to Eddie's wins and losses, Brian. Let's, oh, let's it's, <laughs> it's Steve Javi. I that was finally that was found it, it at the end. There it was. Uh, before we get out of here, how about we hear some Bruce Springsteen on lead guitar real fast? <laughs> Nailed it. Ah, the boss. Stick to singing in rhythm, man. Uh, JMV coming up next. It's Schultz. Keep it locked here on The Fan.